Welcome back to Hot Takes Only episode 39. This is the season two finale. Yeah. And it's not because we run out of stuff to talk about. It's literally just because of the stuff that's going on in our lives. And we literally just need to, you know, take a little <laughs> bit of a, a little bit of a hiatus from the show. Uh, there's a lot going on that we're actually going to miss on the podcast, which is, you know, less than less than ideal. But, you know, life goes yeah. on. Sports aren't everything, Willie, as you know. Yeah. Uh, you and I just had a, a nice little life discussion about just stuff going on in our personal lives. And I think that's the the thing that we get away from sometimes when we talk about the stuff that uh, the stuff that we do on the podcast. Yep, absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Uh, sports is just uh, entertainment. Um, it's just a, a part of life. That's fun, but it's obviously there are things that are many things that are way more important. Absolutely. Could could not have put it better myself. There are many more things uh, yep. that are uh, many things that are more important than, say, yep. oh, I don't know, the Atlanta Braves, who are yep. currently 17 and 20 well, after being within a game good, of the World Series. They're a neutral fan. They're a good entertainment product. <laughs> kind of like a, I like enjoy watching sports because i get entertained by them losing i mean it's i'm I'm exhausted how are you feeling about my world series prediction i I, honestly i was going to ask you how you felt about it because you made the pick i think it was january 14th i feel great about it can i tell you 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 still feel good about the atlanta braves i want to hear this because i'm about to tear them a new asshole save this audio remind um i'll tell you why because no one in the national league is that impressive I'll, I'll tell you what, the Mets have gone a little win streak, but they got a lot of holes in that team. Their, you know, offense is not anything to be impressed by. I mean, are you impressed by the San Francisco Giants? I mean, I guess they they win the World Series three out of every six years at one point. But, you know, on paper, they're not, you know. And, you know, no one in the National League Central. I mean, Milwaukee is is, I think, a really – good team and we kind of forgot how good they were mm-hmm. but there's there's no team you know the Atlanta Braves are right there they're you know not that far behind um and you know there's just no one in the National League that really impresses me that much I, I don't think I don't think in this year um you know on paper we thought that and look there's a lot of time left on paper we thought that there might be some really dominant teams. I thought everyone thought the Yankees could. Uh, we thought the Dodgers could. We thought the Padres could. Uh, thus far, you know, maybe even Atlanta or or the Mets. Uh, but but thus far through the season, um, I don't. You know, there we got a lot of parity. There, there's no team that's jumping out at me. That's like, yeah, this team is clearly the best team in MLB. So that's why I'm, I'm still optimistic. So that's a fair assessment, and I'll give you that. My my only issue is that, you know, a month and a half in the season, given what we've seen from every other team that's not named the Atlanta Braves, uh, I think there's reason to believe that the record is not indicative of what the squad is at this moment in time. So let's go through the National League really quick before I hone in on the Braves and destroy what they have tried to build over the last couple seasons and show each and every one of you listening to this podcast how absolutely pitiful it is that they can run out this team on a nightly basis and expect to get to the World Series. They're supposed to one-up what they did last year, which is get within a game of the World Series. Hell, within three innings of the World Series if Brian Snitker had any feel for the game whatsoever. Okay. So we'll start We'll start in the division with the Mets. 
the Mets have obviously one of the top heavy rotations in yeah. baseball, uh, coupled with one of the generational talents that shorts up. I'm, I'm sorry for bringing up Lindor, but you know it's it's right. he's in the division it's now. Right. He's showing what he did the last year in Cleveland, which wasn't very good. So it's okay. Yeah, I, I think there was there was a stat when uh, oh, we haven't talked about Albert Pujols yet. We have to we have to give a little nod to to Pujols who was released by the Angels yeah. earlier this week. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's. It's not unexpected just based on the way his career has been trending over the last couple seasons, but it's still, it's, he's one of the icons of our generation for sure. Uh, you know, of, of us growing up as kids, someone that we, we grew up watching pretty much every single October, just mm-hmm. destroy with the Cardinals and then go to the angels and all of a sudden forget how to play baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not, an, not all that uncommon among professional athletes, but. No, I mean, st- you're right. I mean, he's, he was one of my favorite players to watch uh really and when i was a kid i mean just watching those really good st louis teams they were really fun to watch he was one of i mean his he was so good his eye at the plate the way he hit the ball the other way they're just like he was an amazing player but um definitely also one of the worst contracts in the history of baseball if we're mm-hmm. being honest so yeah it's a tale of two halves of his career uh, really, I mean, one of the best hitters ever in the first half. Second half, just dreadful, honestly. Yeah, yeah. That's really. But you know, we we got to watch prime Albert Pujols, which is more than I think a lot of a lot of other folks can mm-hmm. say. Uh, so I'm just grateful that we got to see him at his best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason I bring up Pujols is because he had a higher OPS or a higher batting average, I think, this season, or he had very comparable stats to Lindor. Mm. which you know obviously these are two completely different players Lindor's in the prime of his career is about to be in the prime this is not indicative of who he is Pujols is at the very tail end of his career where mm. the the competition at the two positions he can play first base and DH uh is filled with Jared Walsh who's the first baseman of today and tomorrow for the Angels and Shohei Otani who's Shohei Otani mm-hmm. so I don't think it's a very, you know, I, I hate that it happened selfishly because I wanted to see Pujols, you know, and this, you know, right off into the sunset, having a, a you know, hit, hitting like a 700th home run with the Angels and then riding off into the sunset. But it's just, it doesn't happen that way in baseball. It still very well could, though, if he were to sign like a one year deal with the, uh, with the Cardinals and, yeah. or even a one day deal and just retire as a member of the Cardinals. I think that's, that's something that I'm, yeah. I'm sure their front office is looking at as well. No, it would be really nice. And I mean, you know, um, I think it would be definitely, it would be really nice. He, he'll definitely retire a Cardinal at some point. Uh, and you never know. I mean, maybe there's a team out there that's, that will look at him as, as a DH maybe. And, you know, can, can fill in here and there, but obviously with the trimmed rosters this year, it makes it less likely. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. So I wanted to give I wanted to give a little mention about um, a little mention to Pujols before we go any further, mm-hmm. really. Um, mm-hmm. But that the reason I brought it up was obviously because of Lindor, and Lindor is one of the better players in in baseball, not even at his position, just in general mm-hmm. in the league. He hasn't been playing that way the last couple seasons, but no, he's not. when you have that kind of quality, you know, it's it's one of the things where it's like ball ball don't lie. So I have no. No doubt in my mind, he's going to be back to being the Francisco Lindor you know, that we you know, all I, have come I'm to know. A, I'm a, a little concerned about Lindor, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, Lindor is a great fielder. 
So that, that part will, will always be there. But I think the problem was, um, this was a guy who, you know, he, he hit above 30 home runs for three seasons, you know, in Cleveland. But, you know, I, I, I just think when you, you see the, the average trending downward and, you know, you talk about he's one of these launch angle guys too, um, you know, and so it, it is a little bit concerning when you saw in the shortened season, you know, how he didn't do very well. And so it, it is a little concerning, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, his form with the Mets. So, uh, we'll see, but we'll see. I mean, you know, I'm concerned about Lindor, and I'm I'm concerned about the Mets too because they're exactly everything I thought they would be. A team that yeah. has very few competent hitters, but an incredible pitching staff. Mm-hmm. But but what's the thing that I, I've always said on this show? I mean, and obviously, you know, the the thought is that baseball, it, the thought in baseball is that pitching wins championships. What's the thought with a team like the Mets, who have an elite rotation to start the year, but if they're within striking distance of the division and certainly, you know, best record in, in the uh, in the league, hmm. what are they going to do at the deadline? They're going to strengthen. They're going to go out and get a hitter. They're going to go out and get someone from a team that doesn't necessarily have, you know, the pieces to contend that year. So they have an aging veteran or two, someone who could benefit from a change of scenery. That's not, you know, that's not out of the realm possibility. The thing is with the Mets now is they have a better foundation than they have had in a long time that they're not, you know, a draft. They're not a, a long shot for making the playoffs. They're, they're just one, maybe two pieces away from being a team. That's they're going to challenge that. your, mm, well, I mean, that that's they don't, fair. They don't I, have I guess the lineup to contend. They don't, they don't have the lineup to contend. Right. They, but you think you don't think they have the resources to go and fix that? I'll, I mean, it's they definitely, this have the resources, is, this, but not at the deadline They're but I, like, they don't, they don't, I mean, let alone you want to mortgage your future. I mean, they're, 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 in my opinion, they're, I mean, a few hitters away from really, you know, obviously that pitching staff is so, so good, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're more than a few pieces away. These are the same guys, you know, and yeah. then they had James McCann. They thought he could be an upgrade. He, he has not been, but mm-hmm. for the most part, this is the same team that it's been and um, not good enough. No, it's not good enough. Okay, okay, I'll concede that. But they they have most of what you need to be a successful team come October. Sure. Yeah. That's most right. of what you know, they're missing a couple pieces, sure, but they they're they're mostly there. Yeah. No. So there's there's one team just yeah. in the division alone. Yeah. Philadelphia. They're yeah. they're right there as well. Philadelphia's an interesting team. I agree. They they have, I would argue, a better lineup, but worse pitching. Definitely. Uh than than the Mets, but comparably they're only a piece or two away from really going deep in October. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're closer than I think a lot of people think, especially people who aren't as as uh, in tune with the NL East. Yep. Uh, the the Braves, which I'll talk about in a minute, we'll get to them. Uh, the Marlins with some promise and some young players, but realistically a few pieces away but they're not they're not an easy team to play against no. i mean they they went into atlanta a few weeks ago and took three out of four from the braves yeah now granted it's the braves and, and I'll, I'll tell you all exactly why that's not necessarily impressive per se mm-hmm. but they're not just gonna roll over and you know roll over and 
play fetch. You know, they're they're here to win baseball games, and they have a lot of good young talent. Did you just say roll over and play fetch? Yeah, exactly. It's like they're not just gonna be do like whatever whatever a little a little tiny little gold right. retriever puppy. Dude, I need to adopt a dog. I need I need a dog. <laughs> yeah, you do, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, tangents aside uh, so that's the Marlins the Nats are the Nats um, not th- bad but probably not You know, not bad but again that's not an easy matchup especially no. when you go against Scherzer Steven Strasburg you have to pitch to Trey Turner and Juan Soto mm-hmm. and Ryan Zimmerman can still hit mm-hmm. uh, you know it, these are not easy teams mm-hmm. uh, to NL Central it's pretty top heavy, but the Cardinals and the Brewers are two teams that genuinely scare me. If I'm someone who's like, I need to play a one game playoff against these two teams. Except both of these teams the scare Cardinals, me. Like I said, the Cardinals remind me a lot of um, the Mets. Like they very similar, have some really good pitchers. The lineup is still kind of lacking. The, the Cardinals lineup. Are we talking about the same Cardinals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. They don't, they don't With, scare me that much. Carlson, Paul DeYoung, Arnado, Goldschmidt, Edmund. Goldschmidt's not, the, having, that, Goldschmidt's not having that great year. Right, but it's it's one of the, it's like with Lindor. It's it's qual it's ball don't lie. Quality will eventually come to the surface. Yeah, I mean, think so, but he and Lindor are not. You know, they're not going to just sit there and and struggle for the entire year. They're going to make adjustments. It's 162 games, not 60. They're going to make adjustments. Well, you're right. You you think so? I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, Carlson's a good player. Paul DeYoung hasn't been that great either. Um, you know, but Arenado's been okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, right. But the the quality is there. The, yeah, the, the, the production hasn't been there so yet. More so in the Mets, I would say. More so in the Mets. Right. But again, when you're talking about teams like Atlanta and. The you know the Yankees and the Dodgers on paper and these and the Padres in these lineups that they still don't like compare. I don't think you know even the Phillies in in some ways. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. but I guess my point we can keep going too with with even the NL West with the Padres and the Dodgers. We talked about the Padres and Dodgers extensively. Yeah. Um, have we have we talked about that series in in LA enough where the the Padres took three out of four from the Dodgers? We, we um, talked about that. We talked about the sign stealing, uh, the alleged sign stealing by Tatis. We talked about the sign stealing. That's true. Yeah, we did talk about that. But that, but that series on, on the whole, I mean, that that's just a bunch of quality in two teams in the same division. Incredible. So we're not even talking about teams outside of the division. We're not even talking about interleague play. It's just those yeah. two as is right now. That's a lot. That's a really good, like those are two really good baseball teams. Yeah, absolutely. So, so my point is basically that given the, the balance of the teams that are in the National League right now, I'm still very concerned as a Braves fan. Very, very concerned. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think... I mean, the good, the good news is, you know, no one in that division is really taken off. You know, no one in yeah. that division is really taken off. And, um, you know, kind of like you, you said on... Um, I mean, like, I I think that, you know, the Mets in that division, you know, are maybe the best team. But, you know, they don't strike me as, in each of the other divisions, I think you can book two to three. T- I think that there are potentially, you could say right now between Milwaukee, St. Louis, 
And even though the Giants are winning the division, the Padres and the Dodgers, by the end of the season, I think all four of those teams will have nine around 90 or plus wins. You know, even right now, like I said, I'm a little concerned about the Mets. All five teams in the division are good, but there's no one else in the division besides the Braves that I, I can pencil in as 90-plus wins, in my opinion. So, you know, that that's – we'll see. We, we will see indeed. We will see indeed. Jacob DeGrom could throw every day. Then I think the Mets would, would be the best team in baseball. But Jacob DeGrom cannot throw every day. I can promise you that. And so well, – Especially because yeah. he's on the injured list now. Well, that, that as well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, – there, there, are, there are reasons to be concerned about the Braves, but um, – not not scared. It's too early, and they're not far enough. I would say the Acuna injury, um, that that's the one that could be potentially uh, bad, depending on how that one shakes out. Mm-hmm. Yep, especially especially because the Braves go to Milwaukee for a weekend series with the Brewers. Mm-hmm. So, thankfully, I don't think they're going to see Corbin Burns, but I think they're going to see Brandon Woodruff for sure. Oh, he's incredible because i think burns pitched i think it was today or yesterday so yeah, i think it's yesterday mm-hmm. yeah so so we're gonna miss we're gonna miss woodruff thankfully or not woodruff sorry um burns yep. but we're gonna see brandon woodruff which honestly I, I i think he's probably the best pitcher the braves have seen all year because the braves haven't seen Degrom yet i don't think no so oh i need this, to get that nasty bullpen too this will be a good litmus test for the braves and 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 Craig Council, I just have to say, is is a very, very underrated manager. I think even even with their kind of new resurgence, if you will, um, you know, after the especially after the acquisition of Yelich, I think he's gotten a lot less credit than I, I would like to see. Because frankly, I he's just done a really good job. I mean, yes, you could you could get on what was it, twenty nineteen against the Dodgers, some of the decision maker or twenty eighteen against the Dodgers, sorry, some of the decision making he made. Uh, as far as going to the bullpen, you yeah. know, and a lot of that being driven by the front office and and kind of like with the Rays last year in the World Series, but by and large, he's doing a fantastic job with this with this ball club. He really is. He he's done a he's done an incredible job on and mm. of just it's a great and it's a great blend of players. And also, you got to remember this year the Brewers have had a tons of injuries, mm. tons of injuries, and they're mm-hmm. still. Right there, they've had at one point almost their whole lineup like out, like injured. Right. And so, you know, and, and they're doing an incredible job. And, and then you know, you just see the development of some of their players. You know, Devin Williams is. You know, Freddie Peralta has made himself into a really good pitcher. I mean, Josh Hader. I don't, they, he's <laughs> the guy's incredible. Um, yeah, they're gonna get Hader. They'll get Hader. Yep. Um, Especially in, in a close game, they're gonna see Josh Hader. Oh. For sure, that that he he's got to be the best reliever in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how funny I mean, is it? Hater, Hater hardly ever pitches back to back games, and when the Dodgers came to town, they pitched Hater three nights in a row. Mm. <laughs> um, well, I mean that when, when you have the Dodgers going going head to head against you, that was all pre Mookie Betts too, which is the scary part. Uh, yep. it, it's the amount of respect they showed to the Dodgers to have their best arm come out of the bullpen three nights in a row. Yeah. I mean, incredible, right? Yeah. They just, they think about this, this think about this. Owen. like they, they, they're just incredible. 
like, um, you know, Yelich is still out. Kane and uh, has been not doing very well. Uh, they signed Vogelbach from Seattle. He hasn't been doing very well. Orlando Arcia has been doing nothing. And, um, you know, and Keston Hira has been well documented. He's really struggled this year. And so, you know, uh, they're just, they just keep, Craig Council is definitely one of the best managers uh, in the MLB. Uh, and yeah. that, honestly, that's the team that, that team would, would, uh, would scare me for sure. If I yeah. saw, if I saw the Brewers in the series yeah. last year, it was just, uh, uh, you know, you can't really read much into these short seasons. No, last year, I think the only team you can really, and, and I want to get into this with soccer a little bit as well, because I think there's a point to be made with, with some of, excuse me, some of the, um, the, the results that we've seen in the 2021, 2020, 2021, uh, Premier League season, certainly. Um, but no, I, I think you're, you're exactly right with the Brewers. They're, they're a very scary proposition for anyone. And they're, I think, in a point where, you can't really focus on the numbers from the last couple seasons, but really the quality that they have over a long season, I think, especially in June and July when Yelich comes back and he's healthy and Kane starts hitting, uh, Shaw is going to hit some homers this year. Mm -hmm. uh, Keston here, like you're saying, and then the one-two punch in the back end of the bullpen with Williams and Hayter. Mm -hmm. Like playing that playing that team for a five game or seven game series is going to be a, a big ask, and that's not even factoring in Brandon Woodruff or Corbin, or Corbin Burns, who gave us yeah. who gave us first walk of the season relative to what fifty two strikeouts is it insane. Corbin Burns is insane. He's he's crazy. Uh, side note: I I got his uh, his quote unquote his inform card playing MLB the show, oh, and yeah. it's it's filthy. It, the card is ridiculous. Okay. I think is a ninety three overall. And his sinker and his cutter both top out at 98. Wow. So, and his cutter breaks about eight inches too. <laughs> well, and it, so it, it, it's stupid. It's, it's absolutely stupid. Cutter. Yep. So that Brewer's good. Brewer's good. Mm -hmm. uh, but the team they're playing this, this weekend, the Atlanta Braves. Oh, the Atlanta Braves. I have a number of things I'd like to say about the Braves. Uh, I'd like to work backwards first and foremost because what happened today is quite frankly an abomination. And what's happening this season is a reflection of a front office that is being stingy, ownership that is being stingy, and a manager who's stuck in the 20th century. So I mean this with the most, with the utmost respect. Brian Snitker is a fantastic person. He's a great baseball guy. He's been with the he's been with the organization for forty odd years. He's been a lifelong member of the of of the Braves, but he's not good enough for this team to win a World Series. He is nowhere near good enough for the Atlanta Braves to be even close to winning World Series. And this is yes, the team that came within one win, effectively three or four innings of winning a World Series last year. And this is why he's not good enough because today. With the game on the line against a very good American League team, which we haven't really talked about a whole lot, in the Toronto Blue Jays. The very good but young, still very quality lineup in Toronto. Brian Snitker puts Will Smith on the mound for the ninth inning. Mm. I don't know if it's a feel thing. I don't know if it's a psychology thing. I don't know what it is about closers in non-save situations. Will Smith was brought in this season 
to be the closer, or uh, rather, or last season rather. He's re-signed in the offseason okay. to be the closer. Yeah. The guy who you give the ball to in the ninth inning, and yeah. they're going one, two, three, and under 20, under 20 pitches without fail. Will Smith's ERA this year is over five. Yeah. In nine games. He's pitched nine innings, given up five runs with 10 strikeouts and three walks. And you're thinking, okay, that's not too bad. Opponent's hitting 250 against him, 1.3 through it. It's not awful. But no. the ERA is 5.02. Oh, sorry. No, that was looking at Grant Dayton's stats. Also a horrendous pitcher for the Braves. Uh, 14 innings, 12 hits, 8 earned runs. Okay. That's not someone you want coming out of the bullpen in the ninth inning. No. Okay, well, let's look at another left-handed guy, A.J. Minter, who Brian Snitker relied on a ton last year. 4.86 ERA. And you know how many innings... uh, You know how many innings uh, A.J. Minter pitched last night? Uh, Two or three. Point one. Point one. That's not very good. With four earned runs. That's a pretty bad outing. That ERA would be like 70 or 80. Exactly. Yeah. And so the reason I bring this all up, the reason I bring this up is because in a situation yesterday with an opportunity to slam the door. (laughs) Yeah. In Toronto's face, or was it last night or the night before? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was, I think it was actually. Sorry, I'm confusing which night Atlanta decided to choke. I believe it was actually today. No, it was today. I'm sorry, it was today. Mm-hmm. AJ Minter pitched a third of an inning and gave up four runs. Mm. He was brought into the game. Actually, wait, no. I'm sorry. That's Will Smith. I'm confused. I'm confusing these two, but the point is neither one of them has been good enough. <laughs> All of that. I'm, I'm going to edit so much of this out. The point is neither, neither one of them has been nearly good enough. And the fact that Brian Snitker keeps going back to those same two guys shows loyalty, which I value in a baseball manager. I value in any, anyone involved in a sport because at the end of the day, Sports are played by humans, and you have to display some sort of compassion. You have to display, display a little loyalty, even if the front office may not agree with you. And the front office may not decide to, oh, I don't know, engage in contract negotiations with Jason Hayward before he, Jason Hayward and decided to trade him. But that's, you know, I'm not salty about that trade. That was seven years ago. I'm still salty about that trade. It was seven years ago. <laughs> sure. So Brian Snitker is displaying a loyalty that I value. But at the end of the day, you have to be ruthless in certain situations. The Braves have to be ruthless with who they put in games late when it matters. Yeah. You cannot rely on A.J. Minter. You cannot rely on Will Smith. Charlie Morton has been a disappointment. Grant Dayton has been horrendous. Josh Tomlin has been awful. Bryce Wilson has been meh. Drew Smiley, I don't even know why he's still with the club. He is horrendous. Max Fried is just coming off of, uh, of the injured list. And he gave up one run in six innings yesterday. Yeah, it was a good outing. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's been, I mean, before that, he was not great this year. Right. But he's supposed to be the ace. He's supposed to be the guy who's holding it down while Mike Soroka's coming back. Soroka has an exploratory procedure on his Achilles. 
because there's an, there's yet another setback in in the tortured history of Mike Soroka and his injuries. Tough one. Tough one. Chris Martin just came off the injured list today. Sure. Tyler Matzik has been up and down. He's been good. Not amazing. Not horrible. Mm -hmm. The Atlanta Braves' best reliever so far this year, I cannot believe I'm saying this, has been Luke Jackson. The very same Luke Jackson who I legitimately got scared every time he came into a game because of his just refusal to not throw 95 right down the middle. <laughs> he he loves doing that. I, I guess he's not doing as much of it anymore for whatever reason. I guess that torch got passed over to AJ Minter or Will Smith. But it's 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 not good enough. And mm. the the fact that the Braves thought that the answer to their pitching problem, but I mean let's let's be real. Last year there was a, they had they had a pitching problem. The answer they thought was Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley. Yeah. With Will Smith at the back end of the bullpen, they thought AJ Minter in a short season was good enough. Tyler Matzik, who has shown promise to be fair, was good enough. Yeah. But realistically, if you give one of these pitchers the ball with the game on the line, there is one person that I trust to maybe get a one, two, three inning. And that's Chris Martin, who was hurt in 2019 when they first acquired him. Yeah. And last year gave up the go ahead a home run to Bellinger in game seven of the, of yeah. the NLCS. So if pitching is the way to win a championship, who do I give the ball to? Do I give the ball to Waskar Yanoa, who's been the Braves' best starter? He's good. Do I give He's the good. ball to Ian Anderson, who is still a rookie, but has promise potentially? I mean, you're you're talking about three or four pitchers in the entire staff that I don't actually get nightmares about when they pitch. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. And I haven't even talked about the lineup yet. Yeah, it's, I it's, mean, I think, uh, first of all, I was saying a couple things. No, it's in their very reasonable points. I'd say, first of all, the primarily the primary blame, and it's early, and you hope they revert back to the mean, but falls on the front office for, I mean, they let Melanson go. Mm -hmm. Melanson is having a good year and he, you know, is a very well established pitcher. Yep. Uh, Melanson's always a guy you can trust no matter what team he's been on. Um, but I would say that the, the second thing, uh, kind of like what you're saying is it, it's a tough position to be in, right? Because I think as a baseball manager, you really want to you, – you usually know who your high leverage guys are, right? And you want to ride them when when they can. But the problem is obviously as you laid out, none of them for the most part, you know, most of them other than, you know, Chris Martin who's recently back, um, you know, have, have you know, um, done much. So it's, it's a tough position to put in, right? It's not like you're necessarily making – bad decisions it's just you got if you have everyone underperforming then then who are you going to throw throw in there right mm -hmm. uh, and so you know that that's the tough part like you said um will smith's not a bad reliever he's not bad but is he the guy you want as your closer no. or best reliever? No. absolutely not will smith had one good season with the giants where he was an all-star um that's about it um I mean, you know, you all, I should mention, like you said, you can't read much, like, like you said, into a short season. So, you know, Minter had a really good year last year, but you can't read much. 
Um, you know, and then I should mention too, like you said, um, you know, a, a couple more things in terms of, I mean, he's out of the league, but you let Shane Green go. I, you know, that, that's a, I mean, they just re-signed him, but I, they, I think it was on Sunday they announced, or no, 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 maybe, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, but, but Shane Green is also on that list of players who I would not be comfortable giving him the ball in a high leverage situation at all, because last year he got the ball in, in 2019 as well. Uh, the Braves brought him in in, in very high leverage situations in the postseason, yeah. and he didn't get it done. And that is all the information that I need to know about who I can trust in building a championship caliber bullpen. The Braves don't care about a championship caliber team. They care about a championship caliber team's bottom line. They care about making a pro. They care about turning a profit. They're like FSG with Liverpool. I mean, FSG with the Red Sox is kind of it's it's similar, but it's also I feel like they care a little le- less about the bottom line and more about winning. You know, but that's that's neither here nor there. Maybe Drew Smiley will become a super reliever. <laughs> Drew Smiley is just a home run waiting to happen, and not in a good way. I mean, it, in the postseason. In the postseason, clearly you've got – if Soroka doesn't come back, your four starters are going to be Freed, uh, Enola, Anderson, and Morton. Even though Morton's been disappointing, really disappointing, and there's a reason like a good front office like Tampa Bay and Houston would both let him go, um, not want him. Um, you know, you're really getting Morton for the postseason. And so, yeah, that leaves space in the bullpen – I don't think you can trust Josh Tomlin. They've they've no. tried him, so uh, you know I think and Sean Newcomb, uh, I don't think so. So <laughs> I think he's smiling. Don't bring up Sean Newcomb, please. Don't bring up Sean Newcomb. Well, I'm- oh, he and Luke Jackson are the 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 chief uh, offenders when it comes to not throwing ninety five right down the middle. Because they love doing that. They're just like, I can throw it super hard. Look at me with my fastball. 95 right down. Oh, it's over the... It just went 450 over the fence. Whoops. Well... Oh, well. No, so... So, it, it's a lot of concern. And and be, be, the fact that Anderson and Enoa are two of those four... If the postseason were to happen tomorrow... Which, by the way, the Braves wouldn't be in the postseason if it, ha- if it started tomorrow. You have to get there first to be able to... Yeah. Yeah. Get guys like Charlie Morton who are there for the playoffs. Even so, he wasn't stellar for Tampa Bay last year. Sure, but it, it's just it's 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 almost baffling to me how how the Braves front office thought that this was going to be a good idea. Hmm. That they thought that Josh Tomlin and Grant Dayton as your longer relievers in the bullpen was going to be a good idea. That Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton were the answers to your rotation problems last year. That Will Smith was going to be the next Craig Kimbrell. The shutdown reliever that the Braves have needed since they traded Kimbrell (laughs) for whatever stupid reason. Still hate John Coppolell and John Hart for blowing up that franchise. That team was not as far away from competing as they thought. And yes, they got Max Fried in the trade. But it, it's it's like it it's 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 just cyclic embarrassment for Atlanta. It's it's embarrassing. I haven't even talked about the hitting yet because that's even worse. Mm-hmm. That's even worse. <laughs> Two months ago, when you and I were doing the preview, or at this point, three months ago, or no, yeah. two months ago, we were doing the preview, and I was talking about some players in the Braves that I'd want to succeed, but haven't really done that so far in their career. Uh, number one is Dansby Swanson. Yeah. 
Dansby Swanson leads the team in strikeouts. I told you. He's hitting 213. I told you, bro. I told you. Dansby Swanson, I, I, I don't know what to say about him because he came up with a big hit yesterday or today, whenever it was. But the Braves still lost because the pitching is garbage. Marcelo Zuna, he of the three-year, what was it, $64 million contract, something like that, uh, is hitting 207. Yeah. Reigning NL MVP Freddie Freeman is hitting 214. (laughs) Ronald Acuna Jr., the team leader at 302, is currently day-to-day, probably going to go on the IL. Mm -hmm. Ozzie Albies is hitting 233. Mm-hmm. Austin Riley, who was one of the worst hitters last year when it came for when it came to contact, is hitting 282. Travis Darno is probably out until August, mm-hmm. maybe July. He's hitting 220, mm-hmm. but he's not going to play for a while. Christian Pache is hitting 111. Mm-hmm. Adrianza, Aredia, and Sandoval are the, the three big super utility guys. 280, 300, and 290. But <laughs> Between the three of them, that's what a hundred and hundred and twenty-one plate appearances. Mm-hmm. So that's not a good enough sample size. Sure. To me, it's it's just it's the Braves thinking that the numbers from a short season are reliable enough for them to build a team in the off season. Mm-hmm. For them to strengthen their team. All they needed to see was the 60-game splits for all of their players. And that's not good enough. And the sad thing is, we're not going to see the Braves go for it. Ever. Because all they care about, all Liberty Media cares about, is turning a profit. They don't care about bringing a championship back to the city that had the team of the 90s. They don't care about that. They care about money. They care about people paying for season tickets, only to watch their team choke against the Dodgers right. or choke against the Cardinals or choke against XYZ team. It doesn't matter who they play. It's the same story over and over again. You know, I want you to be right, Willie. I, like, I cannot stress that enough. I want your pick from January 14th of this year. I want that pick to be right. Hmm. But I'm so done with this team right now. It's yeah. It's painful to watch because no matter how good... The team looks. I remember opening day like it was yesterday. Pablo Sandoval off the bench in Philadelphia launching a massive pinch hit game tying two run homer. Yeah, I remember you thought, that. You thought, yeah, okay, this 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 team is special. This team can be special. And even even from last weekend, even from Saturday, when they won that crazy twelve inning game against Philadelphia, you thought, Oh my god, this 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 year feels different. I even tweeted out this year feels different for some reason. Yeah. But Little did I know that two days from that day, or three days from that day, they would be starting a three-game sweep by the Blue Jays, as in they get swept at home by the Blue Jays for the second time this year. They've already been swept once, but I mean, that was in Dunedin in in Florida. But they've already been swept. This is the second time in the last two weeks they've been swept by the Blue Jays. And yes, the Blue Jays are good, but... The Braves are also supposed to be good. So, like, what am I what am I looking at? What am I doing? What do I have to be optimistic about so far? Well, is it I'll, is it Waskar you know as Grand a, Slam, which is a no-doubter? Is it Pablo Sandoval just being Pablo Sandoval? Like, what do I have to be happy about? So, you know, Owen, um 
there's a couple of guys I want to I want to talk about. Um, that because we we you know when when teams win the World Series, it's a, like everyone has to make contributions and like the depth has to be there. Not only off the bench, but everyone that plays has to make contribution. There's two guys I want to that are interesting that I want to just talk about briefly. Then you mentioned the short season. First one's Travis Darno. Um, this is a guy that was a huge disappointment for the Mets. He had such he was a, a good draft pick, a good prospect, had such high expectations, and the Mets let him, basically gave up on him. He was a guy who could never hit. Um, and you know, change of scenery helped. He went to Tampa Bay for you know part of the season and, and did fine. Um, but absolutely, last year while he could never hit the ball at all, you know, in, in New York for the most part, you know, he had a he led all catchers in just about every offensive category last year. So predictably, you could see him revert back to the mean. Now. Marcelo Suna is another story, um, you know. But again, last year we were at shortened season, and you know, if it wasn't shortened season, he was tearing the cover off the ball. And he, unlike Darno, he's had seasons throughout his career where he's you know hit well, um, you know, whether it's with Miami or, or St. Louis. But overall, he's really not a high, you know, on base guy. He's more of just a slugger. Um, and so, but even then, he's having arguably the worst season of his career so far. So, um, you know, I, those are two guys I look at because you figure Freddie Freeman's too good to, to keep keep struggling. Um, Ozzy Albies, I I believe, is the same thing. But you know, um, those those two guys kind of jump out at me as as uh, little little concerns for me. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you there. I, Ozuna, I think, is more likely than Darno to to pick it up and and to to get back to you know what we at least some of what we saw last year in in 2020. With with Darno, I'm I'm kind of done with him already. I've been done since the postseason. Yeah. Um, really, all he was last year was just a decent offensive catcher, but he disappeared in the postseason. I think he got like. I don't even know how many hits in the postseason between uh, the series against Miami and the series against uh, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. I think he got like eight hits between those three series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to know what the number is for sure. Um, but what I will say about this current crop of Braves uh, Braves players is every single one of them is so lucky that Nick Markakis doesn't play for the team anymore because I guarantee you if this, if this same thing was happening uh, with Nick Markakis and the team, then I would not be talking about a single one of them. I'd just be railing on Markakis for a good 20 minutes. Um, that, that, that is mostly, that is mostly a joke and it's mostly sarcasm, but it, it is still a little bit of like, it's, you know, it's when you pay someone $11 million a year for four years, with an extra one-year deal for 2020, like you kind of oh, I, I expect to, him to produce. I hate to bring this up, Owen. Can I just mention something? I, I forgot, yeah. and this is Lauren. Um, there's one player from the Braves that really could have helped the cause, and 
got away from them a while ago, but um, one quote. But um, do you know what player the front office decided to uh, <laughs> to not think had a great future? Do you know who that player is? Wait, great future. Hmm. No, I, I thought you were going to say Josh Donaldson. But he really could help them. Not Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Yeah, go back. Yeah, uh, go way back. Oh. Oh my God, Shelby Miller. That's a good call, but no, not Shelby Miller. Although Shelby Miller was a good. I wish we still had Shelby Miller. Yeah. <laughs> with with this lineup with Shelby Miller, I think we the Braves could have actually had like a, a an ace, an actual ace, and not you know Ian Anderson, who who will be an ace one day. I think he has the tools and the mental makeup of an ace, but he's he's not there yet. I hope he's going to get there soon. I he's, would like him to be there now, but he's not there yet. He's good, bro. No, he he's really good, bro. Yeah, but who um, are you thinking of? No, um, I mean, if we go way back, Adam Wainwright. Like they traded. Oh my god. For JD Drew. <laughs> Can you imagine having Adam Wainwright? I remember being at a Braves game with a uh, a close family friend of ours. And I wasn't as big of a baseball guy as I am now. I mean, I still, I was, I was still a baseball guy. I still love the Braves, uh, or at least I didn't, I didn't know the team backwards. You know, yeah. like I, like I did growing up. Um, and I remember JD Drew came to the plate, and he was like, "Oh my God, here we go again. Here's another strikeout waiting to happen." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, JD Drew goes to Boston, and wins a World Series. So it, it's, it's something about Atlanta that just takes great players and just flips them upside down and makes them forget how to how to play their sport and then they go somewhere else and they flourish yeah that's what happens but i don't adam, know what it is about this city adam wainwright sure got away you know yep yeah i remember reading that and just thinking wow you really could have had adam wainwright we really could have we really really could have had like big leaguer Adam Wainwright, and not you that would help the cause all these years when they needed some pitching. Well, well, okay. To be fair, he he can't pitch every day. Like Degrom can't pitch every day in New York. No, but think about all the playoff yeah. losses on. He they trade him in two thousand three. Think about it. They could have had him in fourteen, fifteen years. All the teams that you know. So, anyways. Um, yep. Yeah, I think that. Um, I think the thing, and you know, it, it's you're right on. Um, some guys are struggling, and they don't have. I mean, Adrianza has been in the big leagues for a while now. I think um, mm, he's young. been around a little bit. He won the world. He was he was on the 2014 uh, Giants team. I was I was reading up a little while ago. Yeah, uh, and so he's a solid player, but um, you know, they, they need. You know, it's not like their utility guys are great hitters either. So you know, they they. They don't have the surplus of talent that that some yep. teams do. I mean, that, yep. that's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The the even more depressing thing about the Braves right now, uh, offensively, is that five players have an OPS over a thousand. Right. Here are those five players: Kyle Wright, mm. Waskar Inoa, <laughs> Pablo Sandoval, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Guillermo Heredia. Well. Most of them are pitchers. 
Two of them are pitchers, yeah. and two of them are, pl are platoon players. So the one player with a with a, a a good OPS this year is the one player who's probably going to be hurt for a while, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, he he. To be fair, I mean, he's an MVP conversation. He yeah. he is exact. He's very much in that conversation this year for the National League, at least you know so far. But everyone else is just abysmal. Freddie Freeman's at 787. Austin Riley is is second among regular players after Acuna yep. and uh, and Freeman at 782. And and you just go further down the list, and I, it's just it's just sad. I'm just I'm yeah just and I I get it. It's it's because of of how promising the team looked last year. I think the thing that's that's even more frustrating is that this team is effectively ahead of schedule. I mean, when they won the division in 2018, no one was expecting that. I yeah, wasn't expecting right. it when they won no, 93 this, games. This is right. They're rounding in the form. Mm -hmm. So 2018, unexpected. 2019, to defend it, also unexpected. Last year, kind of unexpected as well, especially considering how the team started. But this year, they've they've reminded us all of the fact that the the way the roster is constructed is um, it's garbage. You know what? Some of it is unlucky. Um, and let me tell you why. I mean, for all the you complain about the front office, okay, there's a lot of guys. Um, sometimes, like, and you, you really see this, Owen, and you really, if you really look around, right? Maybe they don't make a significant part, but most teams have really good homegrown players. And there are several players for the Braves that they just got unlucky with, you know, like Mike Fultz-Nevich, uh, Mike Miner, uh, you know, Chris Medlin. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't mention Chris Medlin. Chris Medlin. Uh, he was good. He was a good pitcher. Yeah, no, I, I remember going to a game against, against the Nats. To some extent, right? Yeah. Don't remind me of Simmons, please. We could have had Simmons over Dansby Swanson. Dansby we could have had Swanson, Simmons still. Dansby, Dansby Swanson. But even though, like, Dansby Swanson was the top-ranked, um, you know, uh, uh, prospect in baseball, but even Andrelton Simmons was great, but he never reached the heights some people thought he could have. And so my point, even Dansby Swanson, right? He's not Gleyber Torres or someone like that, right? So, you know, it, it's like it, they've gotten kind of unlucky. And, and you know, sometimes you need – luck from these prospects and that's how you keep like replenishing at you know after all these years right and so you know and obviously like you said right um you know julio teheran that's another one i should mention he's still pitching but teheran was actually one of my favorite pitchers i used to like Julio teheran. when when he was good in the prime of his career he was one of the he was one of the better guys to watch on the braves basketball mm. um you know and and so yeah like those are the kind of guys it's like some of these other teams are like yeah like they they tend to find the, the right players, you know. The Braves just found some of the wrong ones. Yeah. I, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Lucas Sims, who uh, is now one of the main relievers for the Reds. I, I think he said pretty recently that – I think he was asked about the Braves, and it's like they have all these highly rated pitching prospects. Like, why have they not panned out? And I think he said something very snarky but very accurate – Along the lines of like they don't know how to develop pitchers, and I'm beginning to think they we that the Braves legitimately don't know how to develop good pitchers. That they're either good to begin with, and they just need reps 
mm. Anderson freed Soroka, or okay, they actually are good, and Lucas Sims literally just couldn't do it in Atlanta. It's 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 one of those things where I don't know who to believe because when you have someone, I mean, I I can't remember how quickly the Braves traded Lucas Sims. It was fast. They traded him very quickly. Yeah. Um, but I just remember thinking back to yeah. the days of having um, Matt Whistler. Oh and, yeah. And uh, there was another starter for the Braves who who drove me insane. I can't remember his name. Um, Matt Whistler, I think, is the the chief offender. And it, it's it's just like it's there was a point where it looked like the Braves were just stockpiling arms in the hopes that like maybe one or two of them would come good. Hmm. And when they finally switched regimes over to Alex Anthopoulos, they actually said, no, wait a minute. Let's actually make sure we get guys who we thoroughly, we genuinely believe can be major league superstars and not just, you know, right. pitchers that John Hart and John Coppolella think are John okay. Hart, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's one of the hardest things in baseball. Is it, I don't know. Is it more of a develop, player development and coaching or is it evaluating players? But look, we're getting a great, um, we're getting a great, um, honestly, uh, you know, um, thing right now with your theory about can they develop pitching prospects? Because the all a lot of these, their whole starting staff, uh, not their whole starting staff, but you know, uh, Kyle Wright, uh, Ian Anderson, uh, Wilson, Bryce Wilson, they're all, I mean, they're all pitching prospects that came from the Braves organization, right? So mm-hmm. that's a good. Um, test of your of your theory, right? Because then maybe you're maybe you're onto something. Um, uh, I should mention on um, one guy as a kid that I heard was going to be really good. Not to stroll down memory lane here, but uh, do you remember a tale of Andy Marte? Very very remotely, but yes, Andy Marte, bro. Even played for Cleveland. And like big bust, huge, huge bust for Atlanta. Um, well, yeah, I mean, there might be something to it, Owen, because this might be an organizational thing, right? Good organizations seem to get the best out of these guys that, that come up, or they just they know how to spot good players, right? Yeah. Terrible. I I don't know. It's and and I will say this. There are organizations out there that do a really good job with pitchers specifically, and I have no idea how they do it, but the Braves are not one of them. No. No, they're not. Like, they're not. There are lots of organizations, but I, I should throw a bone to Cleveland here. I mean, Cleveland, it doesn't matter. You can trade away all their pitchers. They, they seem to be able to churn out – seem to be churn out um, – churn out pitchers like uh, 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 – Someone who wants to keep having babies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, that's the, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's something there. Something yeah. There. Uh, my last little bit that I will say on the Braves before we move on to uh, the American League, because I do want to mention the American League a little bit uh, before we yeah. talk soccer. Yeah. Uh, I'm going back to 2013. So 2013 was the last Atlanta Braves season before uh, the, the, the blow up, if you will, before they they traded away Simmons and and Hayward and Kimbrel and Upton and Upton and mm. Uh, mm. back to Kimbrel and 
Hayward, Upton. They had both Uptons. Both Uptons, and they traded. They but they traded both Uptons away in the same deal. They have all three. They have Melvin, BJ, and Justin. Did they Melvin Upton? The same. Melvin, BJ, and Melvin the same. same? Yeah. No. So BJ's name is actually Melvin, but the story is. Uh, so he's the older brother. BJ's old, B, oh. he goes by Melvin now. So okay. Melvin is the older brother. His 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 name's actually Melvin Upton Jr. His dad's oh, Melvin Upton. And wow. when he was a kid, uh, he somehow acquired the nickname <laughs> Bossman Jr. because his dad, I think, was Bossman. So he became Bossman Jr. So BJ literally stood for Bossman Jr. Mm-hmm. So that's how BJ up. That's how Melvin became BJ, and then I think he left Atlanta and then went back to to Melvin. Uh, but that deal that that deal was atrocious. That big contract he signed uh, as a free agent after being with Tampa Bay for so long, that was atrocious. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, I but that that still bothers me. The fact that the Braves paid him all that money to do mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. Uh, he hit 184 that year, which was you know mm-hmm. fantastic. <laughs> The OPS of 557, an OPS plus of 55, which the current OPS plus in baseball is 100 for an average big leaguer, is just 55 that year. So bad year, true. But that's that's the roster that I think maybe not couldn't maybe didn't necessarily have what it took to win the World Series, but could have gone a lot further than they did if they added one or two more pitchers, mm-hmm. one or two more relievers, one more piece off the bench. Right. 2014, the very next year, after going 96 and 66 in 2013, they went 79 and 83 the next year. Okay, it's disappointing. Sure, it's not a great year. Whatever, it's fine. When that happens, is is the appropriate response make the team better or is the appropriate response trade everyone away Hmm. i'll give you a hint it's not the latter (laughs) it is not trade everybody away one they they had one bad season and it wasn't even a horrendous season they finished under 500 sure it was disappointing whatever one season but when you have that much talent on that team and you do have the resources in Atlanta because they had enough money to build a new stadium. They have enough money. It's not money. It's their willingness to spend it on things that matter. And the things that matter is not a new stadium. It's the players who play in that stadium. And the Braves are so incredibly stupid in a baseball set, in a financial sense, they're, they're geniuses because they took a stadium that was younger than both, both you and me are older than Turner Field. They turned that, build a new stadium closer to where majority of the season ticket holders lived, got more season ticket holders to come to games more frequently, higher attendance, higher revenues, etc. Does that go back into the team? No. It didn't go into paying Josh Donaldson for more than a year. Didn't go into paying for Marcelo Zuna right off the bat for more than a couple of years. That had to wait. And now all of a sudden you've lost good Ozuna. For I don't even know until when. It's it's, 
I don't know what to think with this franchise anymore. So they blew up the team in 2014. They blew it up in 2014. They completely blew it up. And what was the season before that you were mentioning? 96 and 66, 2013. 96 wins. That's a really good team. And the only reason they lost was because of the Dodgers. And that was one of the first years after their acquisition by the, the group with uh, Magic Johnson. Which no, is... That is really, yeah, that really yeah, good team. That's, to be fair, that's a really good team. That's Clayton Kershaw was in the prime of his career. Yeah, cranky, probably. And yeah, that was one of the one of the first uh, cranky years, I think, if not the first cranky year. Hmm. So the seasons after that, 2014, 79 wins, 67 wins the following season, fourth in the fourth in the division, last in the division the next year with 68 wins, 72 wins in 2017, first year at uh, Truist, formerly SunTrust, and then we get to the. We get to the beginning. We get to, okay, they won the division 2018. We're back. The Braves are back. 90 wins. 2019. 97 wins. We're back. We're really back this time. 10 runs in the first inning against St. Louis. 2020. Yeah, we got the short season, whatever. Bring on the Dodgers. 11 runs in the first inning. The way things are trending this year, they're going to win... 100 games, which I, I don't even think they can at this point, just based on. Well, I mean, it's 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 early, but mm-hmm. they're they're not going to. Let's be let's be let's they be honest. To go, like, I, what is there? What are they? Seventeen and twenty, I think. Seventeen and twenty right now. They have to go. What, eighty three and uh forty two. Mm, something like that. Yeah. The rest of the way. To win 100 That's games. really hard. That's <laughs> really hard. So, I'm... I, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think of this franchise it anymore. Still in the division. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. Um, I think it's frustrating that when you have the team, that you either blow it up too early or you don't call in to, to try to do something, you know? Yeah. It's, it's disappointing. Development system to keep your team good for a long mm-hmm. time. Yep. You know, that's that's the tough part. Yeah, and and who knows? Maybe Bryce Wilson and Ian Anderson and Waskar Yanoa and AJ Minter and Tyler Matzik. Maybe all those guys will turn into one of the most. Will, they'll turn to the core of one of the elite pitching staffs in baseball. Not even to mention Max Fried and Mike Soroka. Maybe maybe that'll be the case, but. The indication right now is that the team is playing without confidence. The team is playing without rhythm, without any sort of belief. And we should also that they can win. Owen, uh, we should also mention, and I, I know that it's, um, you know, I, I know that it's, you know, it's early, right? Um, but I mean, if we're just talking on development here, right? Pache was one of their top prospects. Um, mm. You actually, I think he was uh, their top prospect in their entire system. Yeah. Um, Contreras, their catcher, was uh, also one of, a highly rated prospect. So obviously, we mentioned Swanson. This is not a good sign. They got all nope. these homegrown guys, and they're all struggling. I think yep. we might be onto something here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I think we might be onto something. 
Yeah, uh, and it, 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 I would say it's no coincidence that Dansby Swanson uh, was acquired in the John Hart, John Coppolella regime, which might I remind our, our listeners that John Coppolella is currently banned from baseball for life because he is so unbelievably stupid that he didn't think twice about reading the rules when it comes to acquiring free agents internationally. You cannot sign international free agent before they turn 16. And he did it anyway. Hmm. That to me is a sign of someone who either doesn't get it or he doesn't care. And either way, why is he, whatever he was at the time, general manager, president of baseball, whatever his title was, it's it's it drives me insane to think that the Braves had maybe potential in 2013. They had they had a really good team, and they blew it up and replaced it with a bunch of peanut with a sack of peanuts named John Hart, who put together a team that was second best in the '90s. Yeah, second best to Atlanta. It, it, it's uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have a brain aneurysm the more you talk about the Braves. Well, wait, well, uh, let's actually. There's one one last thing we should talk about real quick. The Braves. Yeah. I mean, I know age is a factor there, but um, do you think that the, you know, obviously the big, you know, Bobby Cox was one of the most famous managers of all time. Do you think that him not being around is is a big deal? Uh, honestly. Maybe he wouldn't gel with the new school kind of players. No, I think, I think Bobby's too old school. Yeah. And, and the reason, and that's, that's why going back to the top of this segment, I think the reason I don't think Snitker is kind of, you know, is is not the right guy, is because he is from that that same school of thought as Bobby Cox, albeit he's younger than Bobby Cox, you know, quite significantly. But you know, he's he's my dad's age. He's older than my dad, and I I don't think my dad would get along with guys like Acuna or Albies or Marcelo Zuna or Pablo Sandoval. And not not so much get along, but you you know there there's a there's a definite shift in the identity of a baseball player these days. It's going from you know you're very much don't do anything to show up your opponent, don't you know play the game a certain way to go out there and have fun. Be the Fernando Tatis Jr. of baseball. Be Ronald Acuna Jr. Be just go out there and have fun. Play let the kids play. Just go have fun. Play a game for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that element is is not as apparent with Brian. I mean, I don't know what the clubhouse is like. I haven't. I don't know any of those people in person. I can't say. I, this is all speculation. But this is coming from someone who grew up a Braves fan, watching them do the same thing over and over every single year, which is be really good in the regular season and then be terrible in the postseason. Okay, sure, you know what to expect. But now they're terrible in the regular season too, and this is when they have a really yeah. good team on paper right. and the experience. Oh, let's hope. Being... Let's hope they don't blow it up. If they if they blow this up, if they blow this up after this season, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the team. I'm done with the city. The news is there's no more John Coppola. <laughs> like you said. Yeah, I can't pin it on John. I have to pin this on Alex Anthopoulos. He's a pretty good GM. You know, he's a good GM, but you know, it, it's 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 one thing to be a good GM. 
it's another thing to be a good GM that has an ownership group that, how do I put it delicately, gives two shits about winning. As long as Liberty Media is turning a profit, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They, they care about their bottom line. They care about... Yeah, that's about mm-hmm. it. They care about their bottom line. They don't care about diehard Braves fans watching their team blow a lead to the Dodgers right. in a series and in Game 7 of that series. Yeah. They don't care about giving up 10 runs in the first inning against St. Louis, which, right. by the way... Oh, my God. Mike Fultonevich, why? I'm still confused at that game. Like, I'm still confused about that game in 2019. I'm still... That just, was a painful... That's got to be one of the most painful losses. I, I texted my friend while that was happening, and I was like, dude, did you expect anything different? And he's like, no. <laughs> and he's not a big baseball guy. He's just an Atlanta guy. Like, we're yeah. just both Atlanta fans. We just know. And, it, and I, I'll end this segment by saying... That the Atlanta Hawks have made the playoffs for the first time since 2017. Yeah. I will bet a chunk of money, specifically all the money that I have in Dogecoin right now, on the Hawks blowing either a 3 1 lead in the first round of the playoffs or getting swept. I'm just that confident that well, Atlanta's going to blow it again. They'll lose. Yeah. It's going to be Miami. They'll, they might get swept. Um, I mean, who realistically, who, who are they going to play? Miami. Probably. They're going to play Miami in the first round? Yeah. Uh, I oh, mean, boy. Term, they could still play the Knicks as well, depending on how the results shake out. <laughs> if the Hawks lose to the Knicks in the first round, I'm... I'm well, I, I mean, I, one of those two teams has to win, but it's likely going to be the Miami. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's... Yeah, um, I... I... <sighs> but... Um, you know, it, it's you know on on it's um it's a bummer and I, yeah, Fultonevich the Fultonevich game was a uh, Fultonevich was a big disappointment. But I don't know what happened to him. He was an all star and then he fell off a cliff. He was lights he out in game. Out. He was lights out. I think in game two of that series. I think yeah. he was seven setting in seven innings of uh, of shutout really? ball. Really good. Mm-hmm. That, that that qualifies as a certified shove, in my book. I mean, what that's, happened, dude? He he was an all star in 2018. Well, his his issue has always been fastball command. Yeah. And when you throw as hard as he does, you have to be able to command it. And he could not command that fastball for the life of him. Yeah. And when you don't have good fastball command, that means they're going to start sitting on your secondary stuff. And his secondary stuff ended up over the heart of the plate, way too much for a team with that good of a, a roster. Yeah, it's sad. With that many good hitters, you cannot leave the ball over the over the heart of the plate. It's really sad, Don. It's really sad that Mike Fultonevich. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's I don't know. It's more sad the fact that he fell off a cliff or that the Braves just released him. You know, like the, <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to see Mike Fultonevich do well for Texas. I think he's with Texas now. Yeah, I, I mean, I I guess there's. You know, there's a part of him that wants to, you know, he, he, he tried, he gave, he, he gave it a good college try against, uh, against the Cardinals. He, he gave it a good college try as a member of the Atlanta Braves, but oh it didn't work out. Yeah. Didn't work out. That's true. Um, so the Braves, I, I, I'm just looking this up now because I'm preparing myself for the inevitable this weekend when they get swept by the Brewers. Um, they're actually missing Brandon Woodruff. The Braves are not going to see Brandon Woodruff, which is a, a sigh of relief, which is a huge, huge let off. How? 
really. they're going to see Adrian Hauser it's in good. game one Hauser tomorrow night. Hauser's a good pitcher, though. Hauser's a good pitcher. They're going to see... Peralta's good too. Freddie Peralta in game two. Or no, sorry, Brett Anderson in game two. He's, eh, he's probably the weakest one. He's, mm-hmm. Right. But <laughs> weakest weakest against the Braves is probably going to be, you know, six innings of, of one run ball. Yeah, for uh, sure. Against Ian Anderson, that'll be on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Sunday, it'll be Freddie Peralta against Waskar Yanoa. Okay, that'll um, be a good matchup. That'll be a really nice. good matchup. Uh, mm. Gosh, how many years has Brett Anderson been playing? I feel like he's been in the league forever. Jeez, like he's he's been he's been in Oakland or he was with Oakland for forever. He's with the Dodgers for a little bit. Yeah, all over the place. But yeah, all of this Atlanta talk is basically just like I get it. Okay, when (laughs) when your team has the most division titles in the history of baseball, more than the Yankees, I, I might add. Yeah. Um. And when your team is is dubbed the team of the '90s, and, and wins one World Series in the '90s, I mean, hell, the Yankees won more in a three-year span in the '90s than the Braves won in the entire decade. Yeah. The Braves don't. They don't deserve that that title. No. And and so and and when you have a team like the Braves that has been through what they have in the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. You would think you'd think they they'd want to be good. You think they'd want to turn it around. You think they want to put to bed the 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 yeah. notion that they're a laughing stock just in sports in general, not just baseball. Well, but here we are. It's 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 a tough one on. It's um it's a tough one. It's I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I'm you know. Um, at least they got a World Series. You know? <laughs> One. They got there, so that's all that matters. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's that's more than mo- that's more than a few teams can say. Which you know, I will never be upset about having won championship. Uh, I just would have liked to be more than nine my months old when they won said championship. Right. I mean, my my friend was literally like a week old when they won in Oct- October of uh, ninety five. He was born on the seventeenth, and they won. I think like a week after that. Maybe it was like he was like five days old. I don't know. Well, yeah, you, you're too young. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, sooner or later, uh, the Braves will have a curse. You know? The curse of uh, whatever you want to call it is. Yeah. He's honestly, take, pick your poison truly with the brain. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the American League where it's, it's a lot less depressing for me. Um, dude, the Red Sox are a wagon. <laughs> I don't I don't know who had this on their 2021 bingo card, but I did not have the Red Sox being the offensive force that they are so far this year. Oh, also, sorry. No, uh, one more thing to rag on the Braves. Uh, there are... There's one team in the National League that has given up more runs this year than the Braves. Uh, and there are two teams in the American League. Okay. Uh, in the National League, it's Colorado. Colorado has given up. Um, <laughs> They're so bad. That team or, is- sorry, no, there's there's two teams. Two teams in the, in the National League. It's the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. They're the only two teams with 
uh, more runs against than the Braves. And the National League, or sorry, the American League, it's mm -hmm. the Angels with 202 against, and the Tigers with 191 against. The Atlanta Braves have given up 188 runs through 37 games. Uh, you do the math, that's not good. Mm. It's not good. It's, oh. it's, it's really, it's quite bad. For, for a team that was literally two innings and a misplaced fastball to Cody Bellinger away from playing in the World Series. Mm -hmm. Not good. It's, it is not good, though. It's bad. But back to the American League. Uh, yeah, so... I, <laughs> can, let's, should we try to make sense of this or should we just understand it as a, a, another, you know, COVID year two kind of, kind of thing? I would, I would, I, I would love to understand it, but I would say, you know, let's see in July how they're doing. Let's see at yeah. the trade deadline how they're doing it by the by the time the trade deadline comes around. Yeah, I mean, JD Martinez is playing like an MVP. He's hitting like an MVP candidate. Yep. Xander Bogarts is playing like an MVP. Devers is growing into the superstar they thought he was going to be. Uh, Kike Hernandez has proved to be pretty effective even though he just won on the IL but before that he'd been really I mean he's his his stats aren't amazing but he just provides a spark for the team sometimes when they really need it um sure Bobby Dahlbeck is yeah. one yeah, for the future pretty good. pretty good he he hit a bomb today uh that got out in a hurry okay uh yeah, Hunter Renfro with his hose of a right arm <laughs> that that throw what was it uh last yeah. night one of the most ridiculous throws I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Uh, that, that reminds me of, of Ioannis Cespedes against, uh, oh, against yeah. the Angels. Oh, my gosh. Cesp reminds me of that throw. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think, you know, um, I do just want to say, I mean, you know, um, Xander Bogarts, like, I don't know. If, does he fly under the radar to you? Like, uh, to me, he flies a little bit under the radar. A little bit. I mean, he doesn't get the he doesn't get the attention that as a professional hitter, man. He is. He. He's I mean, when hitter. when he came up in 2013, I think people were saying like, this guy's going to be the team in a few years. Yeah. And sure well, enough, how many you know, years? How many years has he been playing for the Red Sox now? Like uh, since uh, since September 2013. Wow. So he's been he's he's the old guy on the team now. Wow. The uh, you know. He's he's what Petroya was. He's what David Ortiz was. He's he's that guy now. The the guy who's been on the team for multiple yeah. World two, Series. Two All Star, two All Star seasons. You know, just really good hitter. Like yeah. just a really really good hitter. Yeah, he's hitting three forty eight right now. Yeah. with eighty five total bases, slugging six oh three. Man, what's his OPS? His OPS is a thousand nine. Okay, that's that's incredible. Uh, the only player on the team with a better OPS is JD Martinez with a thousand forty-four. That's not surprising. And Martinez is hitting three forty. So Bogarts yeah. has him by by point eight, point zero eight. Sure. I mean, you know that that's that's not surprising. Yeah. This this team is a wagon right now. No, and I mean, they they look. I mean, look some some of these players are really good, so they could really keep it up. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, and I, I, I would, I would say another guy 
on there. I mean, you know, they haven't gotten, you know, I, I don't, you know, Marvin, Marvin Gonzalez hasn't had a very mm. good year. So, you know, they can no. get more out of him too. Um, but just really, really impressive, particularly when, you know, like I said, they got four really good teams in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just very, very impressive, really. Yeah. yeah. And what's surprising about the and team too. Sale either. Like, oh, sorry, go ahead. And then, you know, when, when's Chris Sale coming back? I don't think he's supposed to come back until later this, until much later this year. So, I mean, if at all back yet either. No, no, but I mean, the, the guys in the rotation have been holding it down. I mean, no one is statistically blowing you away. I mean, of all these ERAs, 420, uh, Garrett Richards, who seemingly has the worst ERA of anyone on that team has the second best ERA of the starting rotation at 389. Which yeah. doesn't feel right, but that, right. I mean, you that's know, his... he's always been a pretty solid pitcher. You know, he's he's yeah. had his ups and downs, but yeah, and you know, obviously Eduardo Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez at four fifteen, Nick Pavetta, you know, yeah. um, Pavetta, Martin of, Perez, no, maybe no aces, but I would say Eduardo Rodriguez before his health issues was, you know, definitely nice. But yeah, this this reminds me of the whole five aces thing in um what what year was it? It was um it was two thousand. Was it 2012 or 2015? Uh-huh. It was. It was one year. Some one of the red, uh, one of the Red Sox front office execs. I think it was 2015 that said we're gonna. Oh I, yeah, I think it was 2015. I think Ben Sherrington at the time said we're gonna go out there with five aces, hmm. and it was like Rick Porcello, um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, oh my god! How did he win a Cy Young? Explain that one. <laughs> Honestly, probably the worst Cy Young award winner in our lifetime. <laughs> he had like his ERA that year was like three point four. That's not that's not Cy Young worthy. And no, Justin Verlander was like three point five, and somehow got passed over for that award. Yeah, that's not I, even I don't get it necessarily either. I mean, that's, that's it's cool. I mean, I, I don't know why he won. So, I think it's just because he won so many games that year, and and writers thought that that was um. You know, that's indicative of a good yeah. player. I'm trying that to figure out. Uh, yeah, so 2015, it was actually, no, no, I think it was 16. I think it was 2016. No, it was 2015. It was the year before they got um, before they got David Price. Yeah. So 2016, their pitchers, their starters were um, Clay Buckholtz. Oh, Clay Buckholtz. I used to watch him pitch in Detroit. Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright. Wade Miley. Mm. Henry Owens. <laughs> Henry Owens. <laughs> Rich Hill. Rich Hill. Joe Kelly. <laughs> well, he was good. And, I mean, it, it's... There's, there's more. Let me see. Um, let's see. Miley, Porcello. Kelly made 25 starts. Eduardo Rodriguez made 21 starts. Buck Holtz and Owens, 27 combined between the two of them. I didn't realize so, that uh, Wade Miley was still on the team. Yeah. Wade Miley. Right. Yeah. He he of the, the no-hitter recently. I know. Which, it's, it's already three on, three no-hitters, and it's it's May, May 13th. No, it's more than three. It's like six or seven, bro, I think. This year? Yeah. No, it's, it's Rodon, Musgrove. Um, Rodon Musgrove, um, 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 Miley, 
Um, Bumgarner. Count Bumgarner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bum. Yeah. Okay. No, seven inning go hitter. Uh, no hairs of all time through May or whatever. Let's see if we can find it in this season. Um. Yeah. So. So there's four official no hitters in 2021. Four. Okay, I think we're so missing far. one. John Means. John Means. John Means. That's right. That's right. That was recent. I missed yeah. that. Um. Uh, that's but right. yeah, so it's just it's it reminds me of of that year, this this current season. This is what that year uh, was. What uh, Ben Sherrington and I think John Farrell at the time they were trying to say that like that's what this is going to be. Like we're going to go out there with five aces. We're not going to have one ace. We're going to have five. Right. And the the combined ERA of those five, uh, it, it's not it's not good. Uh, the low. You want to know what the lowest was? What? Lowest was Clay Buckholtz at 326, but he made 18 starts. Wow. Wade Miley made 32 starts. His was 446. Rick wow. Porcellos, this one, I get a kick out of this one, 492. Oh my gosh. Only for him the very next year, the very next year, to have a 315 ERA and win the Cy Young Award. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's that's crazy, bro. With a FIP of three point four. Very crazy. That's that's not good. It's not good. Well, it's not good. It's not good. Of, uh, Clay Buckholz, remember when he threw no hitter? Yeah, I remember at the time when I was I was in what was it? What were we in? Like seventh grade. Um, I remember doing doing something for school about him. It's just like. I was like, yeah, he in his second big league start, he threw a no hitter. Like he he got sent down after his first start because he sucked, and then he came back and threw a no hitter. And I was like, yeah, he's awesome. But it, I don't know, it was it was cool, I guess. Hmm. Um. He's a good pitcher. But. Yo, how how? By the way, should we mention how about John Means? He's got like the second best DRA in the entire league. <laughs> I mean, who who would have thunk? But the Orioles are actually like they're. They they're competitive. They're competitive oh, wow. with a, with a few teams. Yeah, they're. they're not, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna be in the postseason conversation, but they're not as bad as we thought they were gonna be. We didn't talk about them, I think, at all in our in our no, uh, the American League in our AL preview. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So maybe Baltimore. You never know. Um, uh, you know, I would say also um, Carlos Rodon has been mm-hmm. just lights out. From Rodon is ridiculous. I don't know what happened to him, but I have the idea. But crazy, very crazy. Well, what do you think? What's the idea? What's that? Oh, I'll save it. I'll save it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm just a bit shocked with the Red Sox this year, but I'm, I'm not going to try to rationalize it or yeah, understand I mean, it. You know, I would say they have a decent bullpen too. I mean, that's mm. the thing. Right, so um, yeah. you know that that's a um, they look. They have a team that can definitely compete. The Yankees have really turned things around, so you yeah, know, that would scare me a little bit. I think it's just a matter of time before they catch up. But um, yeah, I mean they'll be competing for a wild card spot. I mean maybe in July or August, maybe they'll fade out. Mike. But certainly, they look like they'll be there. I mean, I would say. <laughs> 
you know, um, you know, uh, Oakland has looked really impressive. I mean, my gosh, they've been hot. So, you know, really, it's going to come down to, I mean, all of a sudden, the American League wildcard spots, you know, it's going to come down to a bunch of teams, right? You've probably got mm-hmm. Cleveland. You've got um, some combination of the Rays, Red Sox, and Blue Jays, and probably Houston by, by the time it's all said and done. You're competing for those two spots, right? So it'll be very interesting. It's it's open in the American League. It's pretty wide open. Um, yep. You know, we, we spent our, our American League preview with Matt talking about... Yeah. Um, we, we talked about the Yankees and everybody else. We didn't really think about it as, you know... We didn't think about it as, as being as wide open, as genuinely wide open as it is right mm-hmm. now. And I think that's that's only good because then you you don't have to focus on one team specifically. Not one team's going to get all the attention. You can look at the excitement that Shohei Otani provides mm-hmm. the league because I think that's that's something that baseball has really needed for a while is someone who can blow you away with the radar gun. You know, throw mm-hmm. a hundred and drop a ninety mile an hour splitter in there somewhere, mm-hmm. and then hit a four hundred fifty foot bomb the next inning. That's that's what baseball's needed for a while. Yeah, Otani's, um, I mean, he, I mean, this guy's incredible. He, he's playing almost every day as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, doing really well. And, I mean, yeah, he's definitely the star. It's unfortunate that he's buried on the West Coast where the games are late for a lot of the MLB fans who watch Eastern teams and the Angels are still not very good. But yep. And and um, blacked out for um, for all of us here in the Southern California area. Well, for some stupid reason. The no, they are. The Angels? The Angels are blacked out as well. Through MLB TV anyway. Through MLB TV? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I forget because so, I watch on cable. So. Right, yeah. right. So, so anyone trying to get into the game via MLB TV who lives in Southern California, uh, unfortunately, really we we can't watch the Angels and we can't watch the Dodgers. So, go, go, go Padres? I don't know. I don't know. Watch the Padres instead. Do you know he ranks second in the MLB in barrel percentage? Show he does. Behind. Pro- behind in the American League. Behind. Uh... No, in the MLB. Oh, in the MLB. Behind Vladdy? No, behind Ron McQueen. Oh. No. <laughs> Ronnie Baseball is good at sports. Yeah, he is. Incredible, right? He's he's yeah, something he can, else. You're right. He can really light up the radar gun. I mean, this guy's he's something. Plus the the slider that he throws. How do you how do you get a hit off Otani? Uh you can't. I mean, he's got a great splitter, great fastball. Yeah, um, you know, he's gotten hits pretty hard in a couple starts, but mm. maybe when his command struggles, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's the one thing that power pitchers kind of. You know, you live and you live and die by he's your. He's a command. high strikeout guy. So, yeah. You know, that that's um, incredible. You know. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to talk about Vladdy really quickly as well because uh-huh. he's very quietly having a an MVP type season. Huh. Very very quietly, um, hitting three hundred seven with eight homers and twenty six yeah. RBIs with a nine seventy six OPS. I mean, yes, it's early and and. You know, he is still very young, and this is one of his first full seasons. If Is this his first full season, or is it 20? Uh, well, yeah. 
Yeah, he played part of uh, part of 2019. He came up like halfway through 2019, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is his first full season, really. You know, not yeah. counting last year. Uh, people talk about he's a lot slimmer. He's a lot. He's he's lost some weight and he's a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, which I think he's only going to keep trending in that direction. Which yeah, he is, needs to get. He needs to get more. Uh, he need. He definitely needs to get lighter. Yeah, but I think it's good for the league, though. I think a, a healthy Vladdy, along with, I mean, the, the the quartet of former major leaguers, a quartet of sons of former major leaguers on the Blue Jays, yeah. with um, Guriel, Biggio, yeah. yep, um, Vladdy and mm-hmm. Bichette. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. It's fun. That's what baseball needs. It's fun. We talk about the Padres a lot. We talk about Tatis. We mm-hmm. talk about. Um, I mean, God, we, we, we go up and down and, and highlight all the, the exciting players, the Otanis, mm-hmm. but the Blue Jays have four of them right there in this on the same team. That's not they're, even they're, talking about Teoscar Hernandez. Baseball needs fun, exciting, energetic teams uh, that can hit. And mm-hmm. um, the Blue Jays, if they can make the actual full playoffs, that would be, you know, <laughs> um, that would be a bit really good for, for the league. Oh, the the dig there, the actual full playoffs. Well, I mean, I don't count these like. Three <laughs> yeah, games. right. It was an ex- it was an expanded format. I mean, the Marlins are not a playoff team, but they won the series. I mean, but which was incredible. They did. They did. They the bottom feeders. Yeah. They they bottom fed their way to the uh, the NLDS last year. So they they did. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Pretty yeah. incredible. Hmm? Um. NL Central. I want to talk about the Central real quick because I, I I don't think it's turned out the way that you really anticipated. Because I mean, yeah, the White Sox yeah, are twenty two and thirteen. AL the AL Central. Oh, AL Central. AL Central. The White Sox are twenty two and thirteen. I mean, that's not really a surprise. The White Sox improved mm-hmm. the most, I think, of any American League team in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But right behind them is is the Cleveland baseball team, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Indians, at twenty one and fourteen. No, 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 I, I I do I do want to spend some time we should talk about chicago yeah. um chicago is really good they are really really good on um and it's there you know there was a lot of attention placed on them but coming into the season uh you know in previews and stuff but you know to some extent they haven't done it before so they're flying under the radar but they got this guy Mercedes, Yerman Mercedes, mm. who's on a tear. Um, yeah, I, the White Sox to me are are the real deal. Um, you know, and and you you they're a really scary team on. I mean, geez, Louise, right? You now with the emergence of Carlos Rondon, right? Mm-hmm. You've got Rondon, you've got Dylan Cease, who's always he's been an average to above average. You know, pitcher for a while. You obviously got G. Lito. Yeah. Who's really good. Um, and if they can stay healthy, um, Lynn has had, you know, issues at times for sure. If you can get something out of, I mean, Lynn, Lynn uh, and Keichel have both been really good at times. Yep. So that's a, you know, that's a damn good rotation. And now throw in the fact, you know, you've got Hendricks there. They signed him in the offseason. He's been pitching yep. well. Um, you know, they got a couple of high VLO guys. Aaron Bummer's good um, in the bullpen. This is a team, I mean, even with the loss of Eli Jimenez for the season, 
Um, mm. This is a team that's, you know, really, really good. And uh, Robert's on the deal now, but Luis Robert. Right. They won't have him for a while. MVP. Well, uh, my MVP pick <laughs> was uh, playing really well. So, um, you know, um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, this is a team. I, I like Chicago a lot and, you know, Cleveland's there too. You know, they're the experienced bunch. Um, but, you know, certainly have – Cleveland certainly can have a pitching contest with them if they want. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chicago, Chicago, they're, they're definitely a team that uh, – I think, I think they're – somehow they're flying a little under the radar here. I, I, um, I think that's been the story for the last couple of years because they have – I mean, obviously yeah. Tim Anderson kind of puts them on the map because he's Tim Anderson. He's fun to watch. But – in the, he's not in the conversation for they're they're not usually in the conversation for you know the the top team in the American League just because the Yankees are still around the Astros are unfortunately still the Astros, um, mm-hmm. and there's there's just more teams um, to talk about. But but I think that the White Sox do have a legitimate claim that they are top to bottom and just holistically the one of the best, if not the best team in the American League. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about by record just in general by by what they bring to the table and what they could do obviously what they could do and what they will do are two completely different things but through the first month ish of the season month and a half of the season uh you have to be encouraged with where they're at you have to be encouraged if you're a white Sox fan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's not something they've had for a long time so it's just good for baseball to have to have teams like that yeah um, kind of reemerge that, that, that turn it around you know, particularly, I mean, I hate to say it, but the big market teams, I mean, you know. Yeah. That, I mean, gosh, the, uh, it's not like the White Sox are usually that good, right? So. Right. You know, for a while, they're not like storied like the Cubs. And so. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, 2005 was a flash in the pan for sure. For sure. I mean, the, those teams, the teams are, the teams before and after were good, but they weren't, they weren't World but, Series good. Oh, and they, they are, and I'm sure we'll get into it when we discuss the rules stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, the White Sox are definitely the kind of team that baseball really needs. Honestly, they're the big. They they are the funnest team to watch still. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. They're they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't caught as many White Sox games as I've I've needed to yep. so far this year. But you know, it is still only it, it is mid May. There's a lot of baseball left. There's a lot of baseball left. Well, which makes me happy. You know, Owen. Um, I'll tell you what. I mean. I expect them to win the division going away, <laughs> you know, and to, you know, to, you know, to, to be really good, to be, you know, team mm-hmm. challenging for sure. Right. No, definitely. The American league is shaping up to be like very exciting, like mm. very, very exciting. Um, and yes, there is Cleveland too. Cleveland with just stellar pitching <laughs> um, is hanging around. Hanging around, hanging around. Uh, a quick note on uh, Cleveland before we move on to the segment that you proposed a little later. Yeah, sure. Yeah, give us a quick note on on on, uh, on the Indians. Just, uh, I mean, on just, I mean, in incredible pitching. Uh, you know, I don't know how they they continue to to churn out these players, right? But you know, it's it's like. Uh, you've got four very good pitchers. You've got Playsack, you've got McKinsey, you've got Savali, and, and obviously Bieber, um, who's really good. You know, and then some really, you know, 
good pitchers in the bullpen, you know, Kronchek, Clace, Quantrill, um, you know, Whitgren, um, when he's, he, you know, he's not been great, but Whitgren in the past has, has pitched well, um, you know, and, and, and others, there are others too, but, you know, when they lost Clevenger, now, you know, Clevenger's obviously hurt. <laughs> like, man, this is really going downhill, but, but, but Cleveland just continues to, to churn out pitchers like it's no one's business. Um, you know, and um, they're young too, right? I mean, which is, which is crazy, right? I mean, Emmanuel Clace is, is a young guy. Um, you know, Shane Bieber still in his mid twenties, Savali mid twenties, uh, Tristan McKenzie, 23. Um, so these are like, I mean, Cleveland, like they, my gosh, if they could ever just invest in some hitting, like lose their life. They're so bad. Their lineup is so bad. Like, oh, and like their, their team. And it's not that dissimilarly, but on like, seriously, um, I have the stats here. <laughs> Their best batting average of the guys who actually play is Fran Reyes. And you never would say that about Fran Reyes. And he's in oh 265. God. Oh, no. Everyone else, they just have a terrible – you know, you've got Jose Ramirez, but even Jose Ramirez is not hitting that well. So if they could just – that's the frustrating thing. If Cleveland could just ever get get some big, like, you know, some, some on-base guys, you know. I miss Kipnis. Kipnis was good, and obviously Lindor, but yeah, so classic. I mean, you know, can they? They're going to be like the Mets. They're going to win a bunch of two to one games. You know, well, I mean, that's that's what I would argue is the more important thing to have down. I mean, ask Tampa Bay. I mean, how how do you think they they've been competitive for the last how many years they've been around? I mean, since Kevin Cash took over, I think it's been what like four years now. In fact, Don. I mean, that's what you got to do. In fact, Don. Just to give you a, a little to back up my point here, I have the stats here. Cleveland is uh, 29th out of 30th in batting average. Eesh. And um, a little bit better, 24th out of 30 teams in runs scored, uh, which is a little bit better. But even worse, if you go to uh, OPS on Oh no. Same. Well, not very good. Oh no. So the point is, you know, they're they're just they're right near the bottom of the league in almost every offensive category. So yeah. <laughs> that's just not a good sign. But yeah, I mean, with their staff, I would I would certainly expect Cleveland to be in contention for that second wildcard spot. I would you know, bet say a better fifty fifty chance they get the second spot. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the great equalizer in baseball is always gonna be good pitching. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I would always believe, and it, it, it takes a lot to kind of sway me on this point. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot easier to, uh, to bolster a lineup than it is a rotation mm-hmm. because especially with, let's look at Cleveland and Tampa Bay as two examples. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a certain way you develop pitchers and you kind of, the way you get them to pitch. So it's not so much, you know, just look for guys who throw 98 and above and get them to kind of gain a little bit of fastball command. It's more so having guys who can do different things, but do those different things very, very well. 
Mm. It's it's not just throw hard. It's throw hard with movement. It's mm. locate. It's oh. spin. It's yeah. it's having everyone serve a specific purpose. Yeah. So it's not just like a one size fits all reliever. I mean, look at how many different kinds of pitchers they have in Tampa Bay. You have obviously Nick Anderson, who's right. kind of the you know the I guess boring is is maybe the right word for it. It's fastball, curveball, changeup. And then you have Pete Fairbanks, who's just ridiculous velo. You have um, Shane McClanahan, who's throwing 101, running away, whatever it was. And then you have guys who are throwing like three quarters or or like sidearm. That as a reliever, it's important to mix it up. Obviously, if you're a starter, there are different reasons why starters today are almost unhittable. But, um, you know, you're right. As a reliever, as a bullpen staff, it's great to have some variety in different guys that you can bring in. And, you know, if you're going to pitch him for a few batters, like, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. But, you know, when you get pitchers with elite stuff, um, too, it's like, wow, you're <laughs> you're in trouble. Yep. So, yep. You know. It's, um, it's the combination of stuff and style I mean, manual experience. place is, you know, very... Yeah, I, I, I remember I watched... I was on Twitter the other day, and I watched um, a clip from Pitching Ninja. Um, Rob Friedman, he tweeted out this yeah. thing of... Uh, it was a video of Classe throwing 100 with cut. Classe. And I saw it, and I, I had to go change my pants because I actually shat myself because how do you hit that? You We're talking about a cutter at 100 miles an hour. Yep. That has the downward break of a sinker and the lateral movement of a cutter. Yeah. So that thing just dives at a hundred miles an hour. How do you hit that? I, I was always a bad hitter, but no, 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 no. I mean, the oh. only way you can conceivably hit that is if you're sitting on it and he makes a mistake. You know, class A. I know he got suspended, but um, yeah, he's filthy, and uh, that looks like a great trade for Cleveland. Mm. Like, honestly, did you know they traded um, in the Corey Kluber trade when they traded him to Texas? They traded him and Delano DeShields for Class A. So looking pretty good. That's what a good front office does. It, it looks pretty good. It does. Mm. Yeah. I mean. Especially considering the way Corey Kluber has kind of mm, the the way yeah. his career has gone since he got traded. Yeah, no, the Yankees made a what what Brian Cashman does not a very good deal. <laughs> well, mediocre. I mean, again, again I'd say mediocre. Again, we we talked about this with Matt, but the thing with the Yankees is it's 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 kind of unlucky to think that one of Kluber, Tyon, um, Domingo Herman, Devi Garcia, and it wasn't Jordan Montgomery. It was one other pitcher. I think we talked about uh, well, not having one of those was, guys. You know? Yeah, oh, well, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I guess not having one of those guys really pan out the way they would want to is disappointing, and it's right. it's a little unlucky, truly, because some of those guys have a lot of potential. Um, but it, you know, it's it's when you are the Yankees and the expectation is for you to win the World Series every single year. Um, you you'd think you have to do better than than taking flyers on certain players. Well, that's 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 the whole point of why it's just yeah, stupid. you know I, yeah. 
it's Flyers it's the Yankees. They're they're taking flyers, but they're taking flyers off of like you know Lamborghini rentals, you know, yeah. to to put it that way. It's like this shiny. car could it could be as nice as a Lamborghini, but it's a rental, and you don't know for sure. Yeah, so. no, exactly. You know, it, it's um, it's 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 well, un-Yankee like. Well. We'll see. Watch them trade for Jay Happ at the trade deadline. <laughs> watch them. Watch that. Oh, oh no. Minnesota will give him up. He'll uh, be a piece for sure. Oh Lord, Lord help us if Jay Happ becomes a Yankee again. Oh I like. I, I wouldn't even be upset. I just. I just laugh because it's like, why do you not keep him in the first place? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> don't make sense. Yeah, don't make, make sense, bro. Do you have any thoughts before we get to our, our our rules segment that you that you pitched a little while ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do just want to say, um, and I'll, like I said, yeah, we'll, we'll, there's some stuff we'll definitely get into the rules segment that that overcomes. But um, yeah, I, I do just want to say um, that one team um, that you know I I kind of find interesting right now. Um, hmm that maybe they're not getting um you know a ton of attention right now but um i I think they're they're kind of um flying under the radar in my opinion um and that team uh believe it or not i know i know they don't have a great record but the cubs the cubs are a team to watch they've been trending in the right direction i just want to say the cubs are a team i've got my eyes on I just gotta say, when uh, Anthony Rizzo struck out Freddie Freeman, oh, that was great! All-time baseball moment in my eyes. And Not what, just for the season. Five mile an hour pitch or something like that. I think it was like sixty-five. Yeah. He, he threw him. He threw him a an ephus uh, of ephuses. It was one of the best moments. I can't believe he struck him out too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the craziest. It's. It, I, I can't remember who said this. It, I think it was someone on MLB tonight. It, he was saying with with pitchers, it's it's always throw above or below hitting speed, but never at hitting speed. So when you guys you only have guys pumping ninety five and up, and you're up there as a hitter expecting to see ninety five and up, when you see sixty five well, to that's seventy, why, that's like guys are like you know like how fat Zach Greinke like he can throw like he can throw close to sixty five if he wants. Like That's he, what makes that Ephus so so effective. It's because he right. just out of nowhere you're thinking you're going to see 89, 90. You think you, you see think 65. Some would do it more. Or you know, you think people would do it more, right? Or right. even knuckleball. Yeah, you would think. You would think, but it it, it takes I'm sure Granky has spent a long time developing that and it, it it doesn't just happen overnight. Uh and and especially when, you know, in in a league where hitters are getting better, I think the more hitters see it, the like the if if say for example a hitter was to expect it more, so someone go up and they know Granky would throw at least one or two a game, they'll probably have that in the back of their head, thinking, okay, I'm sitting on something hard, but I know he has this this ephus in his yep. locker, so if if he sees something, then just well, if you can you know, take a seat. Well, but it's still hard, like you said. If, but yeah, you know, it is still really pitch, hard. If the pitch comes out of the same release point and at towards the same trajectory, it's so hard for a hitter to tell what the pitch is. Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to hit, you know. So it's like you can – that's how um, 
that I was watching a breakdown uh, that Trevor Bauer did of uh, Rodon when he did the mm. no hitter, and that's what mm. he's talking about. Is like all his pitches come on the same trajectory, and they look the same initially, and so it's like so hard to tell when his pitches. Yep. Going out of the zone, right? So. Yeah. If you ever need an appreciation of how hard hitting is in baseball, just yeah. look up Rob Friedman. I mean, this dude tweets out all the time just the nastiest pitches you will ever see. I mean, it's a hundred it's a hundred and one running away. It's seventy-five looking like it's gonna hit you in the head and then dropping at your feet. Or it's like ninety that looks like a hundred and nine. It, it's ridiculous and it, it should give you an appreci- appreciation for how hard hitting is and how yeah <laughs> excuse me for how good baseball players are yep for sure it's it's incredible um hmm. crazy all right willie you got a new segment you want to produce you want to premiere on the show yeah yeah. Little, uh, yeah little topic of discussion so yeah. i will toss it over to you okay um sure um so the segment here is um if you had to change any rule in baseball, um, what rule would you change? Um, we've talked a lot about on this podcast how baseball really needs to become a better product. It's really, really struggling right now. And so, uh, you know, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start with Theo Epstein. On, when he did his interview with the Bill Simmons podcast, he, he talked about some really good – uh, he gave some really good statistics about – why baseball is struggling, but then we'll we'll both get into the rules, uh, our proposed rule changes, because I think my idea of a solution is a little bit different than his. But to give you an idea of how base, much baseball is in a pandemic right now, just to illustrate it, I mean, look, obviously baseball is right, rightly the thing everyone talks about, but wrongly, in my opinion, also is, is the pace of play. I mean, it's it takes three minutes and 56 seconds for fans during an inning to see an, a, a consecutive balls put in play, which is just staggering. Fans have to wait four minutes for a ball to be put in play. But just to illustrate further, because the, the pace of play issues are well documented, um, and there are lots of proposed rule changes um, in the minor leagues that are happening. Right, there are lots of uh, like stuff with with um, Electron with uh, like technological signs and with pitch clocks and with uh, hitter rules, um, which were, are going to speed up the game, because baseball used to be a different game in the 70s and 80s. It used to be played at a much faster pace, and so they're instituting new rules in the minor leagues right now. They seem to be working, and that'll be coming. But to really illustrate what's happening with baseball right now, hitting is at an all-time low point, um, and one of the themes. Theo Epstein talked about, right, is that if you ask fans in surveys, and he works as a consultant for the MLB now, the things they like most, there are things that they want to see players in action. So specifically doubles, triples, and stolen bases. They want to see people running. They want to see people hitting. Um, All three of those are at near all-time lows. Or if not, I think one of the three categories was at an all-time low. Uh, I think that one was triples but i could be wrong not to mention the fact that the league average right now do you know the league average at the time of that podcast the the, the league average the league batting average i gotta say it's like it's 225 so you're close 230 <laughs> hmm. 
And the strikeout rate is climbing. The strikeout rate has been going up for the last like 20 years, like all crazy time. So the point is, you know, there's there's rightly a lot made about um, pace of play. But the reality is there's just not much action. There's not much going on. Fans want to see athletic players that are on the move. They want to see runners, you know, in motion or the cat and mouse game between the pitcher and the catcher. They want to see guys hitting the ball, putting the ball in play, getting hits, which is not happening. And pitching is at an all-time high right now. And and so I, I guess I'll just start with my idea. But so the, I think that a lot of the rule changes that I think will be coming in the future. Um, so first off, I'll just say that Theo Epstein believes that the pace of play is a secondary problem to hitting the hitting pitching dynamic, which I, I fully agree. I think that baseball is a sport that you can try to speed it up as much as you want. And it was faster in the seventies and eighties and they can push it there, but is a sport that's inherently slow and you can help things, but you're never going to pull in a ton of people that way. It's kind of like golf to me a little bit. It's just like you can make the game better incrementally, but it's always going to be a little bit of a slow sport. So you can really make it better by making the game and the action exciting. And there's not enough of it. And so a lot of the proposed rule changes right now, which I think you'll see some of them. uh, There are experiments in the minor leagues right now where they're, um, they're disallowing the shift, both in terms of you got to have two fielders on both sides, and also they're they're saying you can't have more than, than three guys in the outfield, so they're taking the kind of second baseman who stays in the grass. They're, um, they're gonna, there's going to be a new rule in the minor leagues where they, they push the mound back to give hitters another time. Um, they're actually experimenting with uh, changing the basis to encourage the running game. So there's all these things that are happening. But in my opinion, uh, and this is where I get to my solution, to me, those issues don't make sense because it's about, to me, the first step is making contact. And if you, in fact, if you look at one of the popular solutions, pushing the mound back, Dude Epstein himself said he crunched the numbers. He's a very smart analytics guy. He believes that originally when they moved the mound back, or lower, you know, the the change was due to changing the strike zone. It was not, it was not in his mind um, doing that. And so I don't think that moving the mound back or lowering the mound is going to do what people think. So there's a lot of great baseball videos on the internet. And I watched this video and I wish I could contribute it, but it got my mind racing. It had really, really good info about the dark world of baseball. And so I'm going to take well, he never specifically said this is how you fix baseball. He talked about the this one segment in, in great detail, and I'll I'll happily share the video. So it's not an original idea, but I think it's the number one thing that baseball can do. So here it is, Owen. Do you, do you want to know what I think the number one, the one rule that baseball should change? What is it, Willie? What do we need to change as baseball? And I don't know why that this issue, uh, and we should talk about it because the casual fan may not know much about it. I think the number one thing that you can change is have a zero tolerance policy for no foreign substance on baseball because it's very clear what's happening right now. Um, as this video says, but it's, it's, it's known 
the two things, you know, so back in the days, right, foreign substances, for people who don't know, which are just materials that pitchers grip and hold the baseball with. Back in the day, pitchers used to do it to gain a better grip of the ball. But the problem is the game is so out of whack today because, um, as the video points out, um, putting foreign substances on baseball does two things which make hitters impossible to hit, pitchers impossible to hit. Number one, you can, and this is well known, you can really increase your spin rate with, with a foreign substance. You can mm. jack it up. Yeah. And so hit, pitchers today have all-time high spin rates, which, which when, when pitches have that much movement, it's really hard to hit. Second thing is, um, yes, the velocity has been going up, but foreign substances allow players to throw rising balls, and it makes the four-seam fastball very hard to hit. Now, also, this video points out, which the I don't know why the baseball um, kind of buries this, but you can hear about this. First of all, there are several high-profile pitchers that have been it's pretty well known that they're cheating with it. Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, um, all these guys. And there was a whistleblower um, who came out. He was, I don't know if you know this guy's name, the staffer for the Angels. He basically said he's been, he, he was giving a bunch of guys foreign substances. And he has, you know, he has text messages with Garrett Cole, right? Where Garrett Cole's asking, hey, can you send me the stuff? And Garrett Cole went from a guy who was a mediocre pitcher at Pittsburgh to Cy Young Award winner, you know, contender with with Houston and New York. And so, and it's, the point is he was saying, he's like, you know, foreign substances, they're not that hard to detect. We can, baseball fans can detect when someone's using foreign substances, but he said that not only are a lot of guys using it, he said that teams are even hiring their own, like, chemists and scientists to come up with new foreign to come up with new foreign um, substance uh, is themselves, but there's also an MLB lawsuit going on right now, where the MLB is trying to get to the bottom of this. So the point is that it would be a challenge, because kind of like steroids, you'd have to find a way to police it. Mm. But I firmly believe that the only way to pitch the fi hit fix the pitcher hitter dynamic is that because. If you move the mound back, guys are still going to continue to throw with more velocity and crazy spin. It'll help them a little bit to give them more reaction time, but it's still so hard. And if you lower the mound, um, it's going to make the rising fastball even harder to hit. And if you get rid of the shift in whatever form, it doesn't solve the fact that pitchers, if they can't make contact, it, does, it doesn't matter. And so to me, if you... If you really police foreign substances and balls, and it's not that hard to detect, really. I mean, it it would be hard. It's hard because there's a lot of versions of it, but you can tell. I mean, there are videos where you can tell guys are doing it. If you crack down on that, the cut down on the spin rate and on fastballs and on on off speed pitches, and it'll make it'll it'll make things. And I, I promise you this: velocity will still be high. But it's much easier to hit a pitch with without movement. Hitters love fastballs, but if you can take away the spin on their off-speed stuff, and you know, because the thing is, last thing I'll say, on 
Um, and this is one thing the video pointed out, but which is true, which is that hit, pitchers cannot get high spins without foreign substances. Like they, they just can't. Like you either have it or you don't. You can teach velocity with mechanics. You can't teach spin. So to see spin at an all-time high right now, and honestly, like some of the guys, uh, here's another example. Like I hate to bring out Houston, okay? But like Houston, Justin Verlander is another guy who this guy says like he's given substance to. Verlander has one of the highest spins, uh, you know. And so look what happens. Charlie Morton goes there, right? He, he pitches really well. So the point is like if there are tons of, of pitchers that use this stuff, and it's because it's kind of like steroids. It's like if you're a pitcher, you see other guys doing it, and you're like, I'm going to get left behind if I'm not using steroids. So to me, that that's my – that's the end of my rant. That that's what I think would be my my choice for the number one. No foreign substances in baseball. Big bands if pitchers use it. No, that you bring up a lot of good points, and I think it's it's yeah. it's one of those things where it it does depend what uh, what side of the baseball spectrum you fall on, whether or not you're you're more pitching or more hitting. Um, well, yeah, I don't want to see more hitting. Fans want to see more hitting. They want no, to see the sense, more in, in, You know, in in the sense of in the sense of like it's. It's yeah. I hate how we have to be like this, but we have to cater to pitchers these days because w- what in baseball I think garners more attention than a bat flip. Very, very few things garner more attention than bat flip. And why are bat flips kind of frowned upon by such a large section of the baseball community? I mean, it, thankfully it's it's a it's a yeah. it's a shrinking population, but it's still present nonetheless. It's it's pitchers who are afraid of backflips, who are afraid of making mistakes and having hitters hit five hundred fifty foot tanks on them. Well, it, 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 it's it's sign stealing as well. Right. It's, we you know we we talk about hitting already be already being one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Conversely, we're in the age where people are talking about launch angle yeah. and. Mm-hmm. Exit velo mm. in a way we've never had before. Sure. So it, it it's just it's a cat and mouse game between hitting and pitching, and it, it just yeah. depends on which side that you fall on. Yeah. I personally have I, I don't want to say no issues with foreign substances, but it's one of those things where I think it's more widespread than just this one specific instance. I mean, yes, this is one of the more egregious oh, cases of it because. Right, it's 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 incredibly widespread. I think this is one of the more um, magnified cases of it. So, if you were to try to enforce it, I don't I don't think the product itself would necessarily be better. More hits. I think I think I think teams would better. I think players would find better ways to disguise it. Well, I think that's what like what like but yeah. Well, that's the that's the issue, right? Is how would Mm -hmm. you? accurately how do you enforce it but you know like i said i mean there are videos like there's the well-known video of garrett cole and i'm sure there's so many people for the mlb that 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 watch games there are internet guys if you really watch games you can tell and that's why there are several videos you can tell guys mm-hmm. who are doing it and so we know some of the more well-known guys because they've been basically caught red-handed but yeah um I think if if you really had people assigned to watch these games and and pick it out, and also 
somehow if you can break the baseball fraternity, because, you know, I think guys know when, when pitchers are using the foreign substance. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about what the problem that baseball and we can't cater to pitchers anymore because this game is terrible. This game, mm-hmm. like this version of baseball is terrible and yeah. we need more excitement. But the problem is pitchers are so good. And as Theo Epstein makes the point, pitchers, everything has gone for them. They have really good analytics. They have baseball technology companies that help them. They, they pitch really short games so they don't have to hold back. So as far as I'm concerned, if you don't do something drastic, there's no way that hitting is going to get better. Like mm. there's absolutely no way that hitting is going to get better. As far as I'm concerned, it's the stuff. Because, you know, like I said, like you can move the mound back all you want, but it doesn't take from the fact that if pitches are so fast and they're spinning, you just can't hit it. And you have yeah. – so it's, it's just – for me, it's just like – but like I said, like it's like that's how pitchers gain an unfair advantage. I, I was talking about sign stealings. Pitcher do it, gain an unfair advantage by using foreign substances, which are not – which were not meant to be used. But you dramatically increase your spin when you lose. Mm-hmm. There's a famous tweet, you know, or, or Trevor Bauer. Do you know, do you know the, the tweet? I, I think so, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll read the tweet for the listeners um, because he does not like Eric Cole. And um, let, me, uh, let me see if I can find the tweet uh, here because it was a famous tweet. Um, you know, um, Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Give me a sec. But, you know, basically, um, my point is, you know, whatever he said, I can't find her now. But it's like the MLB teams know it. And they've been through through league channels to the public. They've been complaining, apparently, because he basically said he's like, Garrett Cole, if I want to increase my spin rate, here's how you're doing it. And I know how to do it. And it's just he's a foreign substance. It's not skill. It's not skill. So, you know, don't do it. It's like, so to me, that's the thing I can see. I, I, I really think needs to be changing. And for me, in terms of policing it, it's not going to be perfect. But if you see it, ban. Now, I know there will be issues with the units. See it, treat it like a steroid use. First, like 60-game suspension, 70-game suspension. That will mm-hmm. really wipe it out. Like, you know, all these big guys, like, sorry, like you see it, use it, like you're gone for half a season. That's how I think you do it. Strong punishment. No. And you bring up a ton of good points. I don't, I don't disagree at all. Um, I, I just know that, that one of the things that pitchers will talk about, and this, this especially goes for cold weather environments. Hmm. Um, but but in other cases as well, in in nervy situations, just the way we as humans react to to stress and to to high um, mm-hmm. pressure situations, uh, it's it's one of the things is being able to get a grip on the ball. Mm-hmm. So Dallas Braden, um, mm-hmm. who who's on the starting nine podcast from Barstool. So he he made this point, and I think this is interesting to consider, not necessarily to say that I'm completely agreeing with it, but he made the point that it's not as important to him whether or not uh, pitchers are using foreign substances when it comes to situations of 
guys throwing 98 and above, but can't get a great grip on the ball, so they don't really know where it's going. Mm. That's when kind of hitter safety comes into the equation a little bit. Yeah. And especially in you know, a playoff game, your hands get real sweaty because you're really nervous because you're pitching in front of 50,000 people and there's, you know, a, a championship on the line or the chance to play for a championship on the line. Um, adding to that, the fact you may be in a cold weather environment in October, uh, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where there's there's a lot to consider. I think it's... Sure. I like the idea of, of, of strict bans for foreign substances because I think, I remember it was like 2014, Michael Pineda got caught and he got... Tossed out in the middle of a game, yeah, uh, for for having a foreign substance on his yeah, arm. Which, by the way, he he did not hide it at all. It was it was one of the worst jobs mm-hmm. ever to try to hide something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like right all on his neck mm-hmm. and all on his arm. Umpire puts his finger on his elbow. He's like, "That's pine tar. You get out of here." Mm-hmm. Um, but I no, I, I I do like I do like the point. I, I do like the change, and it's it's a really good point that I think we need to consider more than more than we have been. Well, I, I think you bring up a really good point now too, which is that you know, like you said, player safety. If if guys can't really have good control of their velo, that's the biggest downside. Which obviously, if 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 player safety is in jeopardy, then mm-hmm. then you can't do it. But you know, look, the MLB right now, and now I'm starting to like in, uh, last season announced significant changes. So they're they're they have more compliance officers. Um, that are their whole job is to sit at games and like watch people to make sure they don't have foreign substance. They also mentioned in supposedly a memo that they're they're charting guys to spin rates, and if anyone's jump off the chart, they're going to look at that. So they know be said in their memo that they're going to take it very seriously. Now, so clearly they they and supposedly behind closed channels, like I said, they lawsuits. They think this is an issue. And, you know, they're definitely going to have to monitor the player safety issue. But um, they – I think that they – the you know, if there was a way to – maybe there was a middle ground where maybe they could regulate it and be like, look, there's one substance you could use and it's this. Mm-hmm. Because now, like I said, like this whistleblower for the Angels, you can look it up. He's really well known. Like it's just like – he's like – all these teams are are trying to develop all these complicated like who has the best substance mm-hmm. yeah so it's like if you could maybe regulate it and who knows i mean that but that's the other thing too is is it's like like i said it's this dynamic of some pitchers may actually need it in the cold weather to really grip the ball yep. but there's no doubt that it has harmful consequences uh for the product and so i don't know but i'm glad to see that they're taking a look at it and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But I think right now it's funny that the MLB is – we've seen it has all these – I should just mention. Theo Epstein mentioned. He would know this. He says there's technology that's extremely close. Listen to this one where uh, pitchers and uh, catchers can communicate electronically. The pitcher just presses like a wristband like they do in football. And while I – like I said, I, I'm – only against that one instance of sign stealing, it would speed up the game dramatically. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing though. You know, pitchers don't have to do all these signs and change all the signs mm-hmm. anymore. So the MLB has all these problems. The problem is that any bit of progress that's instituted always gets abused, whether it's steroids, 
cameras, substance, like all this stuff, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're in a multi-billion dollar industry, these things are bound to happen. Mm-hmm. And when guys are playing for, when, when this is their livelihood, they're playing for millions of dollars. Uh, and by and large, a lot of these players don't come from mm-hmm. uh, really wealthy backgrounds. It, it's going to, it's going to bring out the worst in, in humans, which is kind of doing whatever we can regardless of whether or not it's outside the law to, to succeed. But no, you, you do bring a lot of good, bring up a lot of good points and I'm, I'm with you on pretty much all of them. I think I would lean more towards uh, like regulation myself where it's MLB says you can use this substance. It's provided by the league. Uh, it's, it has to be verified by all of our, all of their officers. Yeah. Uh, and there's a way to detect whether or not it's been tampered with, uh, you know, things of that nature. But I think we're still, we're still a little ways off from, from, having that implemented on a wider scale, but mm-hmm. I do like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some form of regulation would be good. Yeah. Cause as it, according to the information, it's like the wild Western. It's like steroids. It's like you got all these individuals and teams trying to develop their own, you know, substance. Right. Stuff. Yep. Right. But you know, if, if right now you were to ban everyone who used a foreign substance, I mean, how many players would you have to ban? Hey, you, uh, you have to ban a lot of players and a lot of big name players and I think that's also another stumbling block is that you don't want to ban Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer and, and the big names in this sport well it, it's, it, it, it kills the game that way yeah well you know they figured out a way with steroids right so I don't know you know that wasn't good for the game right when it's stars were getting suspended but you know um, but here's an interesting, here's an interesting thing Owen. listen to this. Okay. Here, here's a Trevor Bauer quote I found here. Here it is. Ready? Eight years later, I haven't found any other way to increase the spin on my fastball, except using foreign substances. Baseball will never address that problem unless it has to, because I'd guess 70% of the pitchers in the league use some sort of technically illegal substance on the ball. It's just some sort of organizations really know how to weaponize that, and some don't. So the Astros are super advanced analytically, and they know how to weaponize it. So there you go. Mm. Supposedly, the Astros not only know how to do camera cheating, they knew about foreign substances. Yep. Look at Charlie Morton's spin rate, bro. Look at his spin rate. Look what Crazy happened change. Went to, the, to the Astros. Yep, and yeah. since he since he, he uh, left the Astros, talked about more because it affects every single pitch, and it's a bigger advantage than steroids ever were. Because if you know how to manipulate it, you can make the ball do drastically different things from pitch to pitch at the same velocity. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Yep. Well, I think there's a lot of really good stuff uh, you brought up, Willie, and I'm excited to do more of this because I think baseball as a whole uh, has a lot of promise, and it's it's a sport that has an identity crisis almost uh, as far as like what's going to draw people into. It. I mean, they, I think that's the same with, with the, with the shows we talk with the sports we talk about on the show regularly and being baseball, yeah. soccer and, and golf mm-hmm. um, soccer, less as much, but more, more baseball and golf. Uh, my, I guess proposed rule change is very different. Like I was just saying to you, uh, it's, it's less along the lines of improving the product and more so along the lines of, Hey, this rule is really stupid. Let's get rid of it. Uh, mine is the drop third strike. So for people who aren't as in tune with baseball, um, there is a very stupid rule. It's very, very stupid where as a hitter, if you strike out, uh, whether it's swinging or looking, doesn't matter. 
and the catcher drops the third strike. The catcher has to throw you out at first base to complete the strikeout. Yeah. And there have been instances, I think there was one this week, where Daniel Vogelbach struck out on an awful pitch, but it was a pitch that, that was nowhere near being a strike. And it was so far out of the zone and mm-hmm. it missed so badly yeah. that he was able to reach first because mm-hmm. it went all the way behind the back. It, it went, the ball went somewhere crazy. So the pitcher is credited with a strikeout, but it goes down in the book as the hitter reached on an error. So it's an out, it's a strikeout, but it's not an out. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's one of the dumbest rules because where, where's the logic? Like if yeah. it's take me out to the ball game does not say for it's one, two, three strikes if the catcher catches it, but if he drops it, you get to go to first base, then you're out. No, 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 no. It's one, two, three strikes. That's it. You get three strikes. You swing on strike three, it doesn't matter. You're gone. Goodbye. It drop third strike. Like the first time I ever heard about that rule, I was just like but why? I remember as a little kid, I was just like, but why is that the case? Why does that have to happen? It's right. it's dumb. It's stupid. Just get rid of it. It doesn't, everyone hates it. And like, I'm sure umpires hate it too. They're just like, oh, okay, now I got to look and make sure this guy gets a, gets the ball to first before the, before the runner gets there or oh, whatever. Yeah. If you strike out, it's tough. You struck out. You don't get to go to first because you struck out. Now, we could talk about the Michael Conforto issue and and you know leaning into being being hit yeah. by by a pitch, but that's that's a different issue entirely. We're talking about the drop third strike, which is just beyond yeah. stupid. Yeah, I you know it's I agree. I mean, look if you can get the hitter to to swing and miss, right? Um, you might as well reward them. You know. I, particularly, like in my opinion, um, when it's like a breaking ball, right? And like they'll throw it in the dirt and they'll you know swing. It's mm-hmm. like that was a good pitch. Mm-hmm. Got them to to that's that's you. Yes, you shouldn't be penalized, you know, and have something go wrong because the hitter chased and now gets the opportunity to run. You know, so yep. I agree. It, it, the the drop third strike doesn't make sense. Um, whether it's he, you know, whether it's that or the pitcher just drops the ball, you know, it doesn't make sense. The hitter took it or swung either way. Yep. Yeah, so it's it, stupid. It's a stupid rule. It's a stupid rule. For Shouldn't sure. be in there. I mean, we could talk about the three batter minimum or um, what was the the runner on second base to start extra innings, yeah. but. I think this one is just it's much simpler than those two than getting rid of those two and the rationale behind those two. So just just get rid of it. Just please yeah, I, just get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I I don't think there's a single person who likes the rule. Yeah. No, I, I mean it, it's right. I it, mean some players nothing. it just makes extra throw. I mean Right. Some players don't even run because they're just like, I'm not even gonna bother. No, it's it's pointless. And and we don't lambast them for for not putting in any effort. It's just like uh, it's not really necessary. We know he's going to be out. Right. It's only that. like you get rarely like maybe they throw a breaking ball and it's like way outside, mm-hmm. and they yeah. like they have to make a throw from like the side, 
Yeah, I think the Ilsley, it was like Ryan Helsley who threw one like over the like over the catcher to the backstop, but Vogelbach swung on it, and right. I'm just like, just like, well, he swung, so yeah, it's like that. That's a strikeout, my dude. I'm sorry, 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 Vogi. Miss on the third strike. Bye. Like, good. Yeah. Goodbye. Doesn't matter if the catcher catches it or not. For sure, I I firmly agree. Dumb rule. Very yeah. dumb rule. It's stupid, but. Uh, I'm excited to to, to kind of get into more of these because I think there's a lot of a lot of antiquated rules in baseball and things that'll just make the game more modernized and just better. Hmm. Uh, but for now, yeah. we're you know we're stuck with the current rule set. Yep, for sure. Um, I want to get over to uh, to soccer before you know in the interest of time because we've been we've had yep. a lot of a lot of content in this episode. Um, yep. But Willie, we have uh, we have on our, on our hands. Yeah. Two very intriguing storylines in in football, specifically English football. So yeah. not only not only is the Champions League final an all English final, but one of the teams that is playing in that Champions League final is also playing in an FA Cup final this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that club in in question would be Chelsea, Willie's Chelsea. Playing Man City in the Champions League final, but after playing Leicester City twice in the span of three, uh, four days, <laughs> playing Leicester City once on Saturday in the FA Cup final, yeah. mm. and then again next Tuesday in the Premier League. I should mention that the Premier League game, I mean, you know, Chelsea, because they lost to Arsenal, it's not mm-hmm. like that top four wrapped up yet. So. Right. It's a big game. Yeah. These are so Leicester have two games to play. Chelsea have two games to play. West Ham have three. Liverpool have three. We're not we're not done with this top four race yet. This is this is no in in all likelihood going to come down to the final day. It's great, bro. I love watching football around the world because there's just so many storylines in all the different leagues, and it makes there's always something to play for, unlike these American sports, which it makes it so fascinating. But yeah, I mean, I think. Um, it's really, it's really incredible. I mean, they can go three and zero or or zero and three. And yeah, the if you think about the significance of if you just think about it, what makes it so interesting is let's think about what it would mean the difference between going zero and three and three and zero. So if it was zero and three. That means that you could have Leicester City winning a trophy, which would be, you know, not unprecedented because they won in 2016. But anytime someone wins, you know, one of these League Cups, it's a really great story. And when it's not one of the big boys winning, it's a great story. And it just cap off for a really great year for Leicester. If they lose that game, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team you know, maybe it's it's a West Ham or, or someone that, you know, hopefully not Liverpool, but it could hey, mean, hey. That, mean that West Ham, uh, and it's looking unlikely, but, you know, it, West Ham could sneak in the top four. What a story that would be. My gosh. That would be uh, huge. Then, and then, you know, if they lost, it would, it would cap off arguably, you know, one of the greatest uh, runs for if Manchester City won the Champions League in, in ever, ever that's ever taken place. Under Pep Guardiola. On the other hand, if Chelsea goes three, you know, they're going to wrap up a top four spot in the Champions League for next season. They're going to 
upset Manchester City. It's going to be another Pep Guardiola failure in the Champions League. And Chelsea, you know, another big team just somehow winning in this remarkable run. And then, you know, just another FA Cup win to just cap off its hot run of form. So it's a great story, and there are other great stories too, but it's it's like, man, uh, you know, what a, what a busy week Chelsea has. And um, – Look, it's been it's been a really great run of form for Tuchel, but all of it really doesn't matter if they don't really close the deal here, for particularly top four. But you know, uh, we'll see. It's uh, but I'll tell you what. I mean, I think everyone is going to get a great game, the Champions League final, whether or not you like English football or not. Um, you know, is um, going to be a tasty match. I don't see that that. Anytime those the three times those teams have played this season have been good matches. So mm-hmm. I think yeah and yeah sorry go ahead and I think so I think you're going to get at the highest stakes match I think you're going to get a really really good matchup. Mm-hmm. Yeah no a lot of times we we talk about cup finals just being horrible games because both sides are just very mm-hmm. very you know they play within themselves they're very they're very uh, conservative they don't conservative, yeah. they don't make they don't take risks they don't try yeah. anything huge um, yep. but. Judging on the way the the game went this past uh, Saturday, or was it no Saturday between Chelsea and Manchester? Yeah, it was, or was Saturday. It was Saturday, right? Yeah, between Chelsea and Manchester City. Judging by the way that game went, I think we're in for a treat. And you know, obviously, I have my my views on those two clubs, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, also, congratulations to Man City for wrapping up the league. I, I think it was a formality, really. It, no one really, no one's really shocked by the fact that they won right. the league this year. Um, again, I'll get to that in a little bit, but. I, I think just just based on the fixtures that are remaining and the the way these teams are playing and the the you know what what we have upcoming, we're set for a very exciting uh, certainly the next ten days, but then even after that the uh, the Saturday after that. Um, so this is a very busy important time of year for every single club in the table, uh, outside of you know I don't know five or six. You know the the clubs that have already, yeah, the clubs that have been relegated, Sheffield, West Brom, and Fulham, yeah, <laughs> and then the clubs at the top, and other clubs whose kind of yeah. whose places is already assured in the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, the 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 game today between Liverpool and Manchester United because this season, and I talked about this pretty much since the day Van Dyke went down injured. Yeah, uh, the season's a wash for Liverpool. It's a wash. If they could somehow salvage this season by finishing fourth or even third, it's not gonna it would it would be uh, you never. I mean, it, it could conceivably happen. You never know. Wow. It could conceivably be the most incredible story uh, outside of a title-winning squad. So by that, it's basically a team that lost all of their senior defenders and their captain. Mm whose players have been struggling in the middle of a pandemic, the players they bring in to cover those senior injured center backs Mm -hmm. are also injured. It would be one of the most incredible stories in, I think my lifetime, certainly as a, as a football fan, but I think it just speaks to, it speaks to confidence 
it speaks to momentum and it speaks to the intangibles mm. that that we we talk about i think some but not enough mm. um and and obviously you know there's there's people out there who who don't like talking about intangibles because you you obviously you can't quantify it you can't put a number behind it so you, you know you can't really explain it by 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 you know by extension you can't explain it but dude sports are weird humans are weird we can't explain things sometimes just just go with it 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 just go along for the ride don't try to explain it don't try to get overly analytical just have fun just enjoy it for what it is this yeah. is crazy it's hectic it's insane let's have some fun definitely have some fun um look it's going to be um it's going to be a really good race um last few weeks of the season you know um few three games left for liverpool you know it's one of those it's it's a weird season you're right they've had so many injuries um but they were also i think christmas leading by seven points so you know and they've also just looked really burnt out their players and a lot of them have had individual struggles so it's remarkable that this is the worst. It is worst possible when you think about how strong the Premier League is. This is Liverpool under Klopp. It's not going to get any worse than this. I mean, this is seller. Like this is you cannot get any worse. So for them to still be contending for fourth is just like you said. It's incredible. And even like you said, I mean, they could have very easily been counted out a month ago. Been like you know that that's it. The seasons are at. Um, let's move on. Um, we're probably not going to get top four. We'll get, we'll probably get, you know, Europa League, but, and let's move on. But it's been really credit. It's been really incredible on, but I, I mean, we should just mention, okay. That, um, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, we, we, we do got to be a little careful, um, in the sense that, Liverpool could make the Champions League. They could also miss the Europa League entirely. Mm -hmm. Because Everton and Tottenham uh, and West Ham are, are all right near them. So it, it's, it could go both ways, though. But like, let's just remember yeah. that. Right. No, definitely. And that's, that's, you know, I would honestly rather miss out on Europe entirely mm. than play in the Europa League, if I'm a Liverpool fan. Because... Europa League means extra fixtures for a competition that you're really not that that asked about. If you're a Liverpool fan, I mean, do you care about winning the Europa League if you're a Liverpool fan? I mean, obviously you want to win tro you want to win every trophy you 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 play in. Yeah, it's it's I would say the biggest thing, more than the competition, even though it's I think it's exciting. It's that gives you that extra chance of, of making the Champions League if you don't qualify. Right. And that's that's, that's true. A thing. And usually a team like Liverpool should absolutely be right there, you know. So mm. if they were so right, and, and that's the point though. So so for a team that's expected to be competing for the title and probably will next season when everyone's back fit, mm. and Klopp has had time to put his players through a normal preseason, mm. I, I think that that's more they're more likely to qualify through uh through the league than they are through winning well, winning a trophy. Well, but and, you know what? It's 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 English football. There's, it's brutal. I mean, the that's true. That is true. And so, I will just say, I mean, yes, if they can play like they have, but there's no guarantee they'll get back there. You know. So, yeah. You know, no, that, that's fair. 
that's you know tough. But if they're not at it, you know, so it. it yeah, I, but I agree. I mean, as a fan, you'd probably not want to see, but it would be a remarkable story, no doubt. Um, you know, now I, I and and, you know, like you said, I mean, just there's a lot of um, I think there's a lot of drama going on at yep. Liverpool right now too. Yeah, all kinds of talks about Firmino. Is Salah gonna leave? You know, like, what's the deal with Sadio Mane? Um, obviously, like you said, all the injuries. Is Thiago, what's the deal with him? I mean, is he going to get used to the season? You know, is, you know, the Super League? Like, it's just, there's COVID. The, there's right, just- I mean, there, but that, that's the same at every club. I mean, every club, there's, there's. Yeah. I, I mean, look at Manchester United. The fixture congestion they have with the protests, mm-hmm. dropping two games in the space of 48 hours, one against mm-hmm. Liverpool. One, when you have a Europa League final coming up, you have a bunch of injury problems. Every club is 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 brutal. I mean, that, yeah. that's yeah. Every club has has some sort of 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 chaotic thing, and and let's not forget that Liverpool had the same thing in 2019. I just want to remind everyone, Liverpool had the same fixture problem in 2019. Uh, this is not new. Yeah, Liverpool literally had to have two separate squads because they had the Club World Cup final or the Club World Cup semifinal. Uh, the day before, the day, uh, the day after, I think the the League Cup uh, replay against Aston Villa. So Liverpool, they literally had no choice but to field two separate squads. So I just want to remind everyone that that, that was the case. Um, but it, it, it's just it's it's the point of the season where everything is everything is coming to everything's coming to an end. Um, I think there's, you know, the one thing that we could all have kind of been certain of, and I, and I had this I had this feeling pretty early on in the season, especially after Van Dyke got hurt, um, is is the fact that clubs, by and large, that have resources mm. and a willingness to use those resources are going to be more successful than not. In situations, uh, in, in pandemic-type situations, where the one equalizer will always be money, will always be the ability to reinforce your squad to provide players with an extra little bit of help when things are chaotic as they are. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason that I think Manchester City were, they kind of had no choice but to win the league this year. I mean, when you have, Klopp said it in his press conference yesterday, best. He said, when you have the best manager in the world and when you have resources that they do and you have the right people, you can do something special. And that's exactly what happened. And, And Klopp is not, he's not salty about the fact that his owners don't give him money. It's just Pep Guardiola is one of the greatest managers of all time. Manchester City have more money than they know what to do with. I mean, hell, it's a Cinderella story, but you know, it's it's like I put on Twitter. Manchester City going to the Champions League final and winning the league this year is a Cinderella story. But Cinderella is actually loaded, and every time the glass slipper doesn't fit, she just buys a new one. And yeah. how much money has Pep spent on defenders? I mean, yes, when he came in. His defenders were older, but how much money did he spend on defenders? Well, let's since just he's been at City? let's just be clear though. Um, okay, yeah, and they, you know, they paid a lot for Ruben Diaz, but mm-hmm. um, look, if you look at soccer around the world, I mean, there's some really disappointing big clubs, right? So, right, it does say something to be that good despite the money. No, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. But but the but the sheer resources they have between. Yeah. 
sure. the money and the coaching and the the fixed and the facilities and everything around the club, I, I think they had no choice but to win. Mm. And to see Chelsea in that position as well, to be able to go midseason and go out and get a manager like Thomas Tuchel, who I'm sure is making a fair bit at Chelsea. He's not he's not doing this pro bono. No, no. He's making a fair bit of money and the ability for, for them, yes, they sold Eden Hazard, but to go out and get Timo Werner, who's been Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, yeah. who has been disappointing, but I think still, I still think he has a lot of potential and could be one of the best midfielders ever to play in the Premier League. It's a big statement, but he's played, had a couple good games. So. And he, he he's shown in flashes why they paid so much for him and why they really got him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben Chilwell as well as left back. I think he's England's left back to the future, and, yeah. and you know, starting today, obviously. Uh, there's just a lot of of really good use of resources for Chelsea, and to have money is one thing; to spend it well is another thing, and to have someone to bring it all together is another thing entirely. And that's, I think, why it's Chelsea against Man against Man City. In the Champions League final, because both of those yeah. two clubs have the resources, but also the people to put everything together and to deliver yeah, a product. I, I think it's, it's the right combination of. You're absolutely right. It's the right combination of good manager, a, a, a club that knows how to develop players, and a club that knows how to spend money wisely. Mm -hmm. If one of those three is not working, any club can can struggle. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, but so I say, what a turnaround! Not Chelsea, but think about even just Manchester City. What an incredible streak of wins they went on! But remember, I mean, people were talking about through Christmas. It's like, is this it for Pep? I mean, is he done? I mean, is this his last year? And Manchester City looked terrible through the first like ten games, <laughs> and then yeah. they just like all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just <laughs> came around. You know? Yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't hurt when you can spend what 60 70 odd million pounds on de bruyne 50 million per uh per fullback um how much on jesus not a whole lot on jesus uh bernardo yeah. silva diaz laporte stones oh my gosh it's Cancelo. walker Wa i mean i i have no sympathy for City when it comes to injuries. I have no sympathy for City when it comes to transfer fees or wages. And call that sour grapes, but when it's literally state-sponsored oil money, state-sponsored football, then it's it's disappointing if you don't win titles. And that, yes, they've won five in the last ten years, which, you know, credit to City for being bought by uh, an oil billionaire, an oil tycoon, part of the royal family, or related to the royal family somehow, or maybe, I, I don't know, someone with a, with too much money. It, you know, it's cool. Good for you. It's the way the game is going. It's the way it's the way football is in the world now. It's all about, it's not about, you know, developing players at smaller homegrown clubs. It's just about the big bucks. It is not completely, but a lot. I mean, you know. I mean, a good, a good chunk of it is. I mean, why do you think PSG is relevant? Yeah. It's <laughs> because they can afford Neymar and because they couldn't afford Mbappe. They didn't develop Neymar. They didn't develop Mbappe. They went out and said, come play for us. We'll give you a million pounds a week. No. A million, million euros a week. Yeah. Just, something stupid. I mean, incredible, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm tired just thinking about how much there is in the next 10 days, how much football there is in the next 10 days. Yep. It's exciting, man. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff. Very coming exciting. Up. Yep. Um, shall we mention a quick rip, whip around Europe a little bit? Yes. I know you want to talk about uh, yeah. Spain so and, and Italy. Yeah. I wanted to mention um, a couple of things. Cause I, I mean, the Bundesliga is too, but I, I really like La Liga and Serie A specifically. Uh, like La Liga is probably my second favorite league behind England, and I do try to support Serie A as well. So I watch a decent amount of both, actually. Um, and so, I mean, if you start with um, if you start with um, La Liga, well, actually, no. Let's start with let's start with with uh, yeah, we'll start with La Liga. Hmm. So um, even though the Serie A stuff is more historic. So first of all, La Liga, um, just for now, for starters, there's something to play for at all points. There's good races for the Europa League and Conference League, to relegation, the title race. But the title race has been one of the best title races, I mean, I've ever seen. And maybe there ever will be for, um, you know, for leaking. Because you have four teams and uh, that have legitimately – been in there the whole way. Now, I said on this podcast that Atletico Madrid was the best team in Europe. Mm-hmm. And the way they're playing right now in the last handful of games, they kind of look like that team again. But um, they certainly, after they had an 11-point lead and they blew it, <laughs> they blew it epically. And Real Madrid has been hounding them <laughs> ever since. But it's, it's a comical because... All of these teams have stumbled, but all these four teams, um, particularly the top three, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico, have been right there the whole time. And it's going to come down genuinely to the last day. And, you know, obviously Atletico is not a small club, but, you know, they if they were to win, they haven't won since 13-14. And you're seeing a lot of cracks in Real Madrid and Barcelona. And so... You know, Atletico has just been trying desperately to hang on. It's been epic. And you can see when you watch them play the pressure they feel because they were cruising on pace to a great point total. But they just have struggled so much. And um, and so one of these teams has to win by default. You know, and then, and then there's some really interesting stories too. I mean, you've got, um, you know, like, Villarreal, right, in the Europa League, who's never made a Champions League. Very exciting. And you've got some of these smaller clubs that you don't really get to see that might be in Europe next year. You've got, you know, Real Betis and Celta Vigo and all these teams. But, yeah, I think that the title race particularly is um, really epic. And then um, if you go to just Serie A, I mean, the main the – main, not only have, you know, Inter Milan won the title um, – for the first time in 11 years, but um, you've got Juventus, who not only has won the league nine straight years, and not only may miss the Champions League this season, and it looks like they will, it's going to come down till the final game of the season, but they're three points behind the fourth spot, um, and AC Milan has the tiebreaker over them. Um, But they also would be the first team to be leading the division at Christmas. And then, lo- and then not finish in the top four. 
And so you, you've got a really interesting race for the fourth spot. You've got Napoli, uh, Atalanta, and Juventus, um, NAC Milan, all fighting for three spots. And they're all right there within three points of each other. Mm. So if you were to see Juventus, which is uh, so funny because they have such a star-loaded team on paper, and obviously Cristiano mm. is still playing well. Yeah. But they have the star-loaded team, and I don't know why I thought the commentator said it when I was watching their game yesterday. Like, um, the fact that they think that you could have this big team and, and have Pirlo as the manager, who's never managed a team in his life, <laughs> manage a team. But to see Juventus not make the top four, and honestly, with the way their squad is, with Ronaldo probably departing, and, I mean, still a lot of older players on the team, I mean, it's confusable that Juventus is going to drop off. And so we have in the Serie A a real changing of the guard. And because mm-hmm. I don't see this, you know, Pat, I don't see Juventus getting better anytime soon. And so, you know, it's a real changing of the guard there. And um, and it's the same with Barcelona. Barcelona has a lot of issues. So, you know, I it's, it's very interesting. And... Both these leagues, I, I really think you could see changes coming, like like yeah. you know big changes of the guard. So it's it's very interesting. Yep. No, that's that's. I, I think there's a lot of um, a, a lot of uncertainty with the future of some some of the clubs that we're used to seeing in Europe. We're used to seeing Juventus in Europe. We're used to seeing Roma in Europe. We're used to seeing. Uh, we're just seeing some other teams in Europe and we're just not going to see that. And and plus Ronaldo and Messi are at the end of their careers. I mean, this is a genuine changing of the, the identity yeah. of football. When you think football, who are you going to think of? You're not going to think Messi or Ronaldo anymore because they're probably going to be in MLS uh, or, or retired. Is it going to be Holland? Is it going to be Neymar and Bappe? Who, who, I mean, who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be, you know, one, two, three of the best players in the world? And well, legitimately, you may, we may not have that. Well, I'll tell you what you're going to – yeah, I mean, it's 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 scary to think about, Owen, but I think one thing we really got to start thinking of is is where is Ronaldo going to – in the short term, where is he going to play next season? MLS. <laughs> you don't think PSG is going to have a super front three of Ronaldo, Mbappe, and Neymar? I mean, if PSG win the league, he'll go there, but he doesn't go to teams that don't win leagues. Not anymore. Well, yeah, pretty crazy, but – that they're not winning the league in League yeah. One, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, it is, it is changing the guard. And like you said, it's just exciting to see different, fresh blood. And I genuinely yeah. think, particularly in Serie A, there's going to be a huge overhaul. Like I really do think you can see a lot coming. So it's um really interesting to see. And there's a lot to play for in, in these leagues. And and and. The, the point of, of what I'm saying is that the, the next few weeks are going to determine, play a huge part in the future of, of what we see in, in everything. And so, um, yeah, it's um, – and also I will just say this. In the Serie there's a lot of parody in the Serie There's a lot more parody, and it's, it's really nice to see one of the big leagues like have parody like that. So, you know mm. – that's uh, that's it. That's all I can say. Yeah, and it's 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 funny because all it took was someone bringing Juventus back down to earth, and who would have thought it'd be Pirlo? <laughs> well, 
and um and it's almost it's almost like you know giving a club legend a, a big managerial job it's like his first big manage you know as this first major one is not a great idea it's like i wonder where we could have seen that coming hmm. well, can't be can't be in england can't be in england no 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 can't no can't couldn't couldn't be england couldn't be chelsea couldn't be chelsea with frank lampard no couldn't be yeah no couldn't be <laughs> i mean to be fair to be fair zidane's first managerial his first big managerial job was real madrid and he did yep. win them three champions leagues in a row and we know now i mean at the time it, it was very much a oh it's just because he has bale and ronaldo and benzema and Kroos and casemiro and modric no 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 that's he's he's a legitimate world-class manager he's a legit manager and yeah. i was wrong about it at the time i'm gonna put my hand up i, I was wrong would you let me ask you this though would you yeah. what would you say if if so athletica like i said are historically choking here mm. and they're trying to desperately hang on they there's this yeah. two-point gap that's just been there forever yeah um if simeone i mean so think about this um if atletico if they don't win this title I think that the only title I don't think they've won a league cup, uh, a Copa del Rey. Mm -hmm. The only title he would have won is the 2013-14 La Liga. So it's interesting. How would you characterize Simeone's reign? And I think if they lose, this is the end of Simeone at Atletico Madrid. I don't think he comes back from this. So, well, I mean, I'm I'm obviously not as in touch with La Liga as you are. Um, yeah. I'm just not a huge fan of of the league of of the the football they play. La Liga said um, yeah, just I'm I'm just not generally a huge fan. But what I will say about Simeone though is that he's very much a Klopp type manager in the sense that he is able to get the most world class performances out of anyone. And on it's what's incredible is the Atletico squad. He improves them incredibly. He, there's mm -hmm. still players on the team. He just elevates and he gets something out of everyone. Yep, yep. And and you've seen since they kind of burst back onto the scene in 20, 2013, was it? Uh, yeah. uh, or even yeah. even before that, yeah. His, the squad has gotten better every year. The results may not have gotten better, but the squad has gotten better every year. Yeah, I would and say that's the same. That's the same thing you could say at, at Klopp with Klopp. And we talk about Klopp being a world class manager, even though he doesn't have the trophy hall of a Mourinho, of a, a Guardiola, or even even hell, even a Carlo Ancelotti. But these are managers in Klopp and Simeone who make players better consistently and are consistently able to work against opposition that have more resources more firepower and more ability to finish above them and they're somehow able to make it work and i think that's the appeal of the two managers because they they're they're more the sum of the whole is greater than the the, the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts yeah so it, you know they're very much play for the collective they're very much team it's the we not me mentality uh, i think with other clubs it's it's more about stars and it's more about the big names and the you know the the top of the top the elite players it's you're you're absolutely so, right it's so i, I it's, wouldn't it categorize it as a failure it says something about when you can improve players yeah i i i don't think it says anything negative about simeone i mean when you when you're in the same league as Real Madrid and Barcelona and you, you don't win La Liga over them, 
that's not to say you're a failure. It's just to say you play in the same division as Real Madrid and Barcelona. These are the the two clubs that everyone says, I want to play for Real Madrid. I want to play for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. It's it's They may not be the best at the time, but they're still the big names in the sport. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, for, for clubs like Liverpool, who are big English clubs, but not Real Madrid, Barcelona, they don't have the same player pool as uh, as... You know the Spanish giants. So it's just no, it's 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 nothing. Um, it's something incredible, and I I think to that point, Owen, if you remember, in the 2013-14 season, Atletico had to go to Barcelona to, you know, Atletico was winning the league by I think one point. And they had to go to Barcelona and get a result in that game. So they went to Camp Nou, got a tie, won the title. So he'll always have that too. Mm-hmm. That that night in 2013-2014. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's like you said, it, these teams with huge revenues and budgets, I mean, it's incredible they're in, even competing. And, you know, and right. ironically, the one big player that they spent splurge money on they, has kind of been a big disappointment, Joe Felix. So. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't even start for them most nights. So, you know, that's – yeah, they, it's he, what he does. And he's also very similar to um, Klopp in terms mm-hmm. of – he's been getting more progressive attacking, but he really cares about the the defensive work rate. So that's why Jao Felix doesn't play because he doesn't add – much on the defensive side and on the hold-up play and everything. So wait, wait. So you mean to say Joao Felix doesn't play because it's it? He doesn't play because of a reason that's not fitness related. Because because clearly he gets he gets injured like every time he gets fouled. Because mm. you know he he gets he gets fouled so hard every <laughs> single game and he has to go dive on the floor like a little. I, I he really I, does. He and Bruno Fernandez are the worst uh-huh. about selling it. And I think like Bernardo that, Silva sells it a little bit too, but Bruno Fernandez and Joao Felix are the Fernandez most infuriating players I've ever watched. Uh, Fernandez. Fernandez, they were saying it in commentary today. I think it was Lee Dixon. You could hear Fernandez scream and then get up literally three seconds later. What a joke. And Lee Dixon was just like, come on, come on, get up. And and when Lee Dixon says that, you, you probably should listen. No, it's a bad. He he would know, right? and and exactly. And it's just it's it's that kind of precedent that I think just rubs me the wrong way. It's just like you are you are continuing to normalize a pattern of behavior in a sport. I get it; it's part of the game, but don't scream like that. Don't don't make it normal. It's, don't make oh, it normal for you to just. I hate I hate the. That's that's why I can't watch La Liga, and that's why I can't watch Serie A because there's too much of that. There's too much. There's too much simulation. There's too much diving and rolling around and whatnot. The only, I mean, I don't think Serie A is much. I don't like Serie A. Uh, maybe we're not watching the same Serie A. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched the full Serie A game in in quite a while. Okay. Fair uh, but you know, it, it is what it is. Football's still the beautiful game, and we still we still watch it. It okay. is what it is. Absolutely. Uh, Speaking of the beautiful game and uh, Americans, Willie, I do want to get to my hot take. Go ahead. And our hot takes, unless you have any final thoughts on on football. Oh. Jogo bonito. Oh, last thing I'll say. Yeah. Um, I would say 
that, I mean, it's kind of well documented, but in watching some Barcelona games in La Liga, um, I don't know what, we just got to say, I mean, when Messi leaves that club, they're going to be in a world of trouble. Yep. I, I, I don't see a way back for them because they have, first of all, a terrible, I don't, you know, not recruitment and, and, and directors of football. And I know they have a change in ownership, but they, they spend money really badly. Like they do not get bang for their buck. And I promise you that they have good players. They continuously turn out from the Lamasai economy, but none of no, they got no stars besides Messi. Obviously, you know, they've got Griezmann, but you know, Griezmann is, hasn't really at Barcelona, you know, looked like the player he was at Atletico for the most part. So, you know, they, they, they're in a world of trouble. And if he leaves them, I, I would go as far as to say you, you could – maybe they'll even finish outside of top four in La Liga, which is saying something considering mm. the budget disparities you have. So Yeah, um, yep, definitely. Scored, scored 30 goals already this season. So it just shows you, like, man, like Barcelona. And, you know, Suarez left, so – yeah, they're, they're but big, big you know players. they. I will say they spent 142 million pounds very well, very very well to go and get a certain Brazilian playmaker. They mm. they spent that money very very well. Mm. That uh that nice transfer for a one Felipe Coutinho, what a what a great transfer for <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> well, I, I I it's just it's just funny how at the time. People were talking about it like, oh, Liverpool's not going to be the same. They won't have the creative force. No, they're not going to score so as many goals. And they thought, they, what happened? And they, Coutinho was never the same. Like, uh huh. And then Coutinho came back to Anfield in May 2019. For, for anyone who was not keeping score, the score finished 4 uh, 0 that day. Is there an interview where he talks about. I, I wonder if he regrets it. I'm sure there's a part of him that does, but I mean. Personally, I think like from a personal standpoint, I think he's happier in Barcelona because it's it's more culturally it's more similar to Brazil than than the English, the English way of life. Yeah. Um, but from a football from a football perspective, he can't be happy. He can't. No, I mean, right? It's. Uh, I mean, you could up. you could be you could be playing for Jurgen Klopp, the the manager of the people, or you could be playing for Ronald Koeman, who. Almost relegated to Everton. Well, I don't want to. He should have stayed that because Barcelona is a ruthless club. But look, when you have an elite manager, you got to give the manager credit. He's going to get the best out of me. And and honestly, at ninety nine percent of the clubs out there, they don't have managers like that. Doesn't matter how well run the club is. If you don't got the manager, mm-hmm. anyone can struggle. But if you've got a top five manager, I mean, they'll they'll find a way to get the most out of whatever mm-hmm. your best is. So. Yep. I mean. To be fair, Klopp did make Joe Allen look like a uh, oh. look like a Welsh Xavi. He yeah. made Joe Allen look really good we, we Joe. when he was we Joe. Here's here's what there's a man we call we Joe. <laughs> oh, what a what a legend! I wonder what he's up to. I think he's still playing for Stoke. Yes, I checked. Yeah, we Joe. Uh, I do want to get to my hot take though, because you know we've been recording this for quite a while, and I do have a pretty good hot take. Uh, this came to me yesterday. I was watching the Chelsea Arsenal game, actually. So I was watching that game, Willie, and you know, Christian Pulisic. He got a rare start. He doesn't start a lot for Chelsea these days, which is, you know, okay. 
part of me is like it's 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 weird because he's a quality player mm-hmm. and he he score he creates he scores goals i mean he created the winner mm-hmm. uh for chelsea against man city right mm-hmm. and he started against arsenal and you know he had a, he had a decent game he didn't play amazing i mean no one really played amazing against arsenal yeah but i was scrolling through twitter while the game was going on and i was seeing some american uh soccer commentators Tweet okay. things about like Polisic okay. and how the game is so focused around Polisic. And to put it very simply, American soccer, American football, uh, football in the United States, soccer in the U.S. will never, ever, ever, ever grow if people continue to believe that Christian Polisic is the one player who matters. It's it's astonishing how people will spin a Chelsea game as Christian Pulisic featuring 10 other players. Okay. Timeout. It's not Christian Pulisic and 10 other players. He's a very, very good player, yes. And he produces for Chelsea, yes. He's a very big club. Sure. Whatever. But it's not about him. And the more we as an American footballing uh, fandom, if you will, Focus on Polisic, the less we're actually raising our own standard. So because, you, okay, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just saying because the the standard has become Polisic is the best, mm. and our players just need to be like Polisic. Polisic's not the best player in the world. He's very very good, but he's not the best player in the world. He could, yeah, and he could. I mean, he could be very very good. He could be, yes, but but what would be more effective? for growing the game and growing the skill level of this game and growing the ceiling of the skill level of this game is not to base who's the best off of Christian Pulisic. It's to base who's the best off of who's the best. Mm. Okay. Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe, Holland. Best off the best players in the world, not just the best American player. And I get it. It's it's the way to draw American fans into it. But do you think Ray Hudson talks about Serginho Dest and Barcelona? Do you think Phil Shane talks about I, I don't know, insert American player here? You think you think Derek Ray is talking about Tyler Adams and Leipzig? No, 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 no. This is about the players who make this sport so beautiful. It's the best players in the world. If he's part of that, sure. But it's it's the way that we as an American sporting public talk about guys like Christian Pulisic and the other good young American players, it's, it's to stop talking about them like they're the focal point. Mm. And talk of that, and to, to talk up the fact that they play for a good team and they could be one of the best in the world, but they're not yet. And it's, 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 it's time what? to stop treating them like they are. That's interesting. Until they are. Because the, the focus cannot, the focus of a Chelsea, Manchester City, Champions League final cannot be Christian Pulisic against Zach Steffen, who's going to be sitting on the bench. Right. It can't be that. Yeah. I, because I, then you're not, you're not focusing on the actual quality of the game, and so you're thinking, oh, Pulisic's the best. No, he's not. Sorry, he's right. not. Yeah, um, you make a lot of really good points there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's two important points to point out of there. The first is that you know, Americans um, in sports, right, sports fans, they're all about, like, the GOATs, the best. So you're right. Like, 
it does seem like we've lowered our standards in terms of we we want a world class player, right? We we don't mm-hmm. want a a very good player. Like we want, and Pulisic is not that not yet. You know, he could be, but um, and so on one hand, you're right. Let's try to draw our attention to not getting starters and you know good players, but to those elite players. And the second thing, like you said, is is um. I mean, you know, you're right. Um, the the sport is in a little trouble if 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 it's so American centric. Uh, obviously, you know, um, there there are always going to be some you know intrigue from that angle. But you're right. If the the common if the games are American centric, or you know, if they can't get out of that bubble. In terms of if fans can't enjoy a high quality game, whether or not Americans in it, or you know if he's not the focal point, or if it's you know we can't just get in this cycle where they only care about the World Cup, you know the U.S. national team. Yeah, I, I agree that the the coverage um, it's saying a lot, um, but you're right. I mean, it is pretty staggering how how much that aspect is highlighted when you're right i mean they are just another player in the game i mean yep right and, and they're so. just they're just another player and they, we cannot keep treating it like it is like manchester city against chelsea is christian Pulisic against zach stefan i think the only because it's not the only positive thing that comes out of it is maybe the kids Maybe if a kid is inspired to maybe play because they see like, oh, well, you know, this guy made it pro. I can do it. That's like the only thing. Yeah. You know, sure. I, I yeah. maybe maybe there maybe that maybe there's some people. Right. Like, look, I played against Christian Pulisic's club team in, in Pennsylvania mm. a few times. And I don't know, like maybe maybe there's a chance some of those kids are like, yeah, like, wow, I, I can, you know, maybe I can I can do well. Right. But. I, I completely agree with you that we got we have a um a really not great soccer fandom. It's it's just American centric. I mean mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I I mean it's uh, like look, Americans have a lot of pride. You know, they'll they'll definitely get behind the national team always, but you know, um it yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. Yeah, it doesn't. It also doesn't help when the national team isn't present at the World Cup. No, I mean and because the players aren't quality enough to be able to qualify on a regular basis and compete on a regular basis, which means you have to develop better players. And if the benchmark for better players is one of the players who's on the pitch when they didn't qualify for the World Cup, then you're kind of in trouble. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not saying don't focus on Pulisic. Don't, don't watch the American players. Just don't have that be the focal point. Don't have that be your measuring stick. There's 10 other players on the pitch. Focus on one of them. Right. I mean, look, Gio Reyna is a fantastic young player, but he's not the best young player on his team. No. He, he's maybe the fourth best on his team of all the young players. I mean, behind Holland, Sancho, and and Bellingham. And then you look yeah. at Tyler Adams. Okay, fine. He might be one of the better players on Leipzig. But is he the best? 
Probably not. I mean, I don't even, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't go as far even say he's one of the best, but you know. Exactly. So he he was a this season he's been a fringe starter. He'll start occasionally. Yeah. But you know. So just just I, I don't know. Maybe I, it's just I, I I'm just reading it too much. You. It shouldn't be your benchmark, and we should just. You're right. Look at the other players at the pitch who are better. I mean, it, it makes mm-hmm. um, perfect sense what you're saying, and. Mm. You know, I, I, I agree. It, it's like we've set our standards too low. So yeah. I, I I firmly agree. That's a really interesting take. Yeah. And it, it, I've had it. I, I've, I realize I've had this take for a little bit, but I never know really. I never knew really how to how to talk about it because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I, I've kind of felt a certain way about Polisic for a little for a while um, about Polisic and the way he's talked about, mm. which is, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a very good player. That, that's why I, I like that he's getting the attention. But when he plays for a big club like Chelsea, and he plays on a big stage like a Champions yeah. League final, he cannot be the focus. And I, I, I know he's going to be the focus uh, of whoever's doing commentary for the Champions League final, whether it's Clive Tilsey or, or Peter Drury or whoever. It's because they're working for an American-based network. And, and that's not their fault. And it's not their fault at all. It's just that's what they're that's what they're being told to do. Yeah, and yeah. that's just the one thing I have issues with. And it's like Arlo White. Every time he does a Chelsea game, he always the focus is always Christian Pulisic. And I'm like, he may not even play. And you're talking about Christian Pulisic. Like, let, let's focus on the players who are on the pitch already. If he comes on, sure, talk about him when he does something well. But like, let's let's focus on the game as a whole. That's how you grow it. Is you show. The best. You don't show the best by playing, showing an American who's playing on the best stage. You just show the best players. And if he's one of them, cool. If, I don't know why that has to be the focus. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it, it, it's, it's true. And I mean, it must, they must think that the only way they can draw, you know, the best way to draw viewers and is to highlight these stories and the, keep talking about it throughout the game. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah, and so hopefully there's some carryover effect where it's not just that maybe even if you draw in fans who initially, you know, watch uh, high-level soccer because they like Pulisic, maybe hopefully they become fans, right, rather than than, than just just watching for the American sports, but – but no, I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it, we, we do lose pers- – it's very American-centric on studio mm. coverage, on games, and yeah, uh, for sure. Yep. Like, All right, well, that was, that was a longer hot take than I was willing than I was, than I was anticipating. So, Willie, the floor oh, is yours. It was, a good, it was a good hot take, though. What do you got for us? Um, yeah, okay. I got a, I got a couple. Um, so the, uh, the, uh, first, the, um, the first take, uh, is this, um, I think that Cleveland Browns will win a Super Bowl before the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs again. Whoa. Make the playoffs again? Yes. 
if you would have said if you would have said uh, if the Browns win a Super Bowl before the Steelers win another one, then yeah, sure, I, I I'd buy that as a hot take. I think it's a, it's still a hot take, but this one is. I'm gonna have to flag this for for Ian because I'd be and my dad, I'd be very curious to say what they think to see what they think because it, it yeah. honestly, dude, that you've had some you've had some insane takes in the show, but that's up there. You think so? That's up there. Yeah, cool. I think so. They're you know, one of the NFL Network's premier, like, analysts, you know, believes they're going to miss the playoffs. And I, I I look on the team and, you know, Ralph Lisberger, I mean, he's past it. I hope he plays quarterback for another 10 years. Um, <laughs> um, and look, I mean, they're a well-run organization, no doubt. And they have some talent. But A, they need a quarterback. And B, you know, they've got guys in the defense uh, that they, they're going to need to replace and that are older. Uh, and when you when you flip it around and you look at a Baltimore team, as long as Lamar Jackson's there, they're going to be a pretty good team. And Cleveland now has one of the best, if not possibly the best GM in the entire NFL, Andrew Barry is incredible. Mm-hmm. And so I see Cleveland as when you have a well-run organization, I mean, they'll be there for a long time and so look of course they can make the playoffs as a you know a six or a seven seed but the reality of the situation is i'm looking at the afc right now and i'm sitting here and i'm saying okay let's take whip around for the long term mm. so you know cleveland i mean pittsburgh for the 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 near future, until something drastically changes, on paper is the third worst team in that division. Mm. Worse than Baltimore and Cleveland. You look at the rest of the AFC. You look at the AFC East. Patriots reloaded. The Patriots are going to be good again. Um, Miami and Buffalo have really good young talent. That Those teams are going to be good for you know, a lot of years. In the AFC South, you've got a Titans team who is going to be good for a while. Jacksonville just drafted Trevor Lawrence, and they're probably in the couple, give them a couple years with all the draft picks they got, they'll be pretty good. The Colts have a pretty good thing going on there. And then you look at the AFC West. Obviously, you got Kansas City. Um, and, you know, you've got, Oak, you've got uh, Las Vegas, and, you know, um, who is a well-run organization somehow now that they've got John Gruden there. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and, and Denver is on, on the come up. So, mm. and, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers goes there too. So I'm looking at the NF- NFL and honestly, I don't, I don't see a lot of room for Pittsburgh. They had their moment. Um, their moment is gone. Their moment is gone. Wow. The, the playoff beatdown they got, uh, the Steelers are the Steelers, not the Browns are the Browns. This is the new Steelers. I, I, I believe that. So, wow. Well, they. it's not like they're going to be a bad team, but, mm-hmm. you know. Not so, a playoff team. No. Wow. Well, bookmark it, folks. May, well, I guess now May 14th because it's past midnight here on the West Coast. Uh, but May 13th slash May 14th, 2021. Browns win a Super Bowl before the Pittsburgh Steelers make the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to file that next to my Atlanta Braves win the World Series in 2021 take. (laughs) Well, I guess your take. Wow, I mean, we'll see, bro. Yeah. 
we'll see. I mean, hey, that, that we don't we don't get paid to, to forecast the future. We just get paid to we know we, we don't get paid. But, uh, <laughs> we should get paid to talk about it because I mean, this is this is some some fire takes. Will I, I gotta I gotta say? Um, what? Okay. What else? You, what else you got for us? I got um, yeah, I got I got one more take. I think there's a chance the Dodgers miss the playoffs altogether. How do you think that's that's like silly? I mean, the, it, it, things happen to defending champions. Just ask Liverpool. Things happen. Yeah, and that, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. They they had the nine game losing streak. They just seem really like they they're they're, they're just there's all kinds of things going on in that team. There everyone's slumping. They they got they got problems. Like a little some injuries too. But you know I I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the fire is there. And they're really struggling. Their bullpen is really struggling, and so is all their lineup. So I'm looking at the Dodgers right now, and alarm bells are screaming. I mean, hell, what happened? What happened to the to Mourinho's second, uh, his second stint, his third season in charge after winning the title in his second? What happened that season? Hmm. Where do they finish? Who finished the season as manager? Well, yeah, I mean, it was not Mourinho. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. These things happen. It is hard to defend a title. I don't yeah, think people realize that, Sox. no matter how good you are. That's the Red Sox. Yeah. The Red Sox have, have finished last and won the World Series, that's I think, nice. the same number of times in the last 15 years. I just say it's like, you know, it's like hard because, I mean, everyone is penciling in the Dodgers. I mean, everyone before the season is like penciling in for <laughs> And I mean, you know, the, for the most part, I mean, Trevor Bauer has been great since he, he joined. So that, that mm-hmm. is holding up. But everything else right. is – and Clayton Kershaw is pitching really well. But everything else is crumbling for the team right now. Yeah. But I mean, just, I mean, this is only baseball specifically. But let's go back 10 years, okay? 2011. Who do we have winning the World Series in 2011? 2011? Probably not the Cardinals. No. 2012? Definitely not the Giants. 13, definitely not the Red Sox. 14, probably not the Giants. Uh, 15, uh, definitely not the Royals. Uh, 16, probably not the Cubs, although there was there was reason to believe the Cubs were going to win the World Series that year. Yeah, they were trending. Uh, 17, Astros maybe. But it, yeah. knowing what we know now, yes, Astros. Uh, 18, Maybe the Red Sox? Maybe? 19? Definitely not the Nationals. Uh, 20? Probably the Dodgers. So 2020 and, I I don't know, you want to call it 2016 and maybe 2017? Those are the only years you can reliably say, like, yeah, I saw this coming. But the rest of those years, it's so unpredictable because there's, especially in baseball, because they play so many games over a, what, five-month stretch? Six month stretch where yeah. you just don't know what's going to happen. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for, for the Dodgers to miss the playoffs. I, now, is, is it likely? Probably not, but you never know. These things can happen and they can happen quickly. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right on. I mean, it's, you think when you really look at it, it's like, most of the time, actually, these things happen. So mm-hmm. it's you're right. I'll how about this? I will call them losing the second wild card game, like the wild mm-hmm. card game. I'll call them losing the what? They'll yeah. They'll yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
but I, I don't think that I don't think that take was worth was worth all the uh, a little the goofiness, you know. Well, I it, it's, it's, big, big call. I, think. I, I I don't I don't think it is as much because it's just because it's it's so hard to defend titles, and and we've had that realization this year more so than ever, uh, especially the way the Dodgers have started. Okay. So I, I I don't know. It's we'll we'll see. Well and truly, I mean, it's only May, so you know they yes they lost Dustin May for the season, and the offense is kind of sputtering a little bit. They haven't really hit their stride yet. But again, it's May. You still have the Braves winning the World Series, and you feel comfortable about that. According to I think it was MLB.com, they had a 31 percent chance, or maybe it's Baseball Reference, a thirty one percent chance to make the playoffs and a three percent chance to win the World Series. As it stands right now, so well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm sticking with them. I'm sticking with the Bravos. That's almost more than me. <laughs> yeah. All right, you got anything else before we get out of here? Just stop the, all the no hitters and stuff. <laughs> ridiculous. So you're telling fielders not to make crazy catches and for hitters to, you know, Hit swing for the fences more. <laughs> got two against them already: Wade Miley and. Uh, uh, Rodon. You know Playsack today? Listen to this. He pitched a one hitter. He would have been the first player ever, I think, to both uh, throw a no hitter and then have an opposing pitcher throw a no hitter against him because he was oh the one god. that was pitching when Rodon. Oh Dude. my god. <laughs> oh my god. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's crazy. Well, We've certainly had a lot to discuss, Willie, and I'm oh. glad we made it through made it through season two of Hot Takes Only. Uh, the the I guess unofficial everything before this season is kind of season one, and no matter how many different years slash episodes we've done, uh, but this is this is good. We're 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 approaching season three, and I think there's a lot of stuff that that you also look forward to. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Euros, uh, the European Championships when they come back, because I don't think yeah. they're going to start. I think they start like right after I get back from from New York. Um, well, that's so exciting. and so we'll, we'll have a preview of that. Um, oh, yeah. God, just imagine the scenes. If, if, uh, Portugal play England in the final and Bruno Fernandez gets a penalty to win it for Portugal, just oh. imagine the scenes. Just imagine that. That well, would be just peak. I trust Bruno Fernandez to make a penalty kick. Peak Manchester United. Yeah. I mean, you know, That'll be no. So no, I can't wait. I cannot wait for the Euros. I, I gotta tell you, I feel for these players, man. Yeah. These players that are gonna play, it's like they have no time off. My God. Mm-hmm. So it's it's gonna make the start of next season very very interesting because you think of all the you think of the teams that have a ton of European players. Hmm. It's just in England specifically. And then the teams that have a lot of South American and African players. Yeah, they're going to be in the African nations and Copa America. Uh huh. Yeah, think about honestly, Liverpool's like entire team, literally yeah. might be like in a tournament, decimated. <laughs> like it's decimated. Be- yeah. Oh. I wonder how big a transfer decision that is because if you have players that play in African Cup of Nations, I mean, that literally, they, I mean, they, you miss two months right in the beginning, in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Like that's a big deal. <laughs> already... Yeah, it's it's a big deal. Yeah. When is when is Afcon this year? Is it? I think it's December. Um, 
I love AFCON, by the way. It's a great tournament. Um, AFCON 2021? Yeah, January 9th to February 6th. Got it. So, I mean, it's not right too bad. Christmas. Yeah. Oh, that'll be, that'll be brutal. What does that mean, though? Are they going to leave in December? Early December? Probably. So, I mean, you got to think. They're going to miss probably, half in three months. Yeah, Mane and Salah are probably going to be unavailable for Christmas. But that's when the... Uh, the European boys and the Brazilian boys have to step up. So yeah. just Jota and Firmino, assuming Firmino's still at the club. That's so many goals. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And can can we just say before we wrap it up that Salah is def he's still not getting the recognition he deserves. Yeah, he, even he, though he's tied for top scorer again. Yeah, and he's yeah. not in anyone's team of the year. Incredible goal scoring. Uh, record for sure and, and just just think of how many sitters he misses he routinely misses like three sitters a game he he could be banging in hat tricks every single game if he was like a 20 percent better finisher yep it's but, it's insane yeah but, it it's he but he's still incredible to see yes yes no, don't don't get me wrong. He's still he can still score some really good goals. He still has a, a good finish in his locker. Though, man. He can score yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And it still does. But you know, he plays for Liverpool so he doesn't get respect. Yeah. <laughs> or VAR sure. help. What? Who said that? <laughs> oh my god. I think it's time to wrap this up. We've been recording for about three and a half hours. So we got a we got a good a good chunk of, of content for you here on episode thirty-nine of Hot Takes Only. Remember, folks, you can get this podcast anywhere. Apple, Spotify, I think Amazon has a podcast thing now. And of course on the website anchor.fm slash hot takes only. If you want to tweet at us, let me know what you think. Tweet at us at HTO Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we'll be posting more frequently on there, hopefully over the summer. Hopefully get to have someone help us out with the social because it is a lot to manage for just the two of us between working yeah. full time and, you know, doing other other life stuff. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. That is a place to get Hot Takes Only. Episode 40, the premiere of season three of Hot Takes Only will be coming at you right around the middle of June, previewing uh, Euro 2021 uh, we'll be hoping to have some guests on that episode. Uh, if not, we'll we'll have oh, definitely have the boys back for uh, for the Premier League preview. We'll do sometime in August of 2021. I cannot believe it's already May 2021. I feel like it, the year just started, and here we are, months later. Let's also remember real quick too that World Cup qualifying is starting up again soon. Mm-hmm. It's already that's happening true. in in uh, Europe, but yeah, around the world. That's true. That's true. Hmm. Gotta love international breaks, apparently. <laughs> Gosh, I feel for these players with the expected yeah. Champions League. It's ridiculous. Like, God. You know, yeah. Injuries more. People are always saying, like, oh, why is Klopp whining about all the injuries? It's like, it's not for him. He doesn't have to play. It's he's for his players. That's taken the, right? He's yeah, because he's sticking up for his players. Because he's a player's manager. Players yep. love him. Exactly. He but, wants him to say that. So. Yep. Well. Well, anyways, folks, this has been episode 39 of Hot Takes Only. We will see you in season three. Have a good start to your summer. He's Willie. I'm Owen. We'll see you next time.